inches tight. Horses kind of snuffy, cold chill up your spine. You'll get your ass moving somewhere burning daylight. Sergeant's back on the show. We're uh, we're gonna do some philosophizing once again, uh, and as kind of become tradition with with Zach, we gotta I gotta cut a conversation short because we've already been going for for a while. We've already hit a good groove, and um, and, and yeah. So anyway, Zach Sargent's back on the show because I had a what I thought at the moment was a brilliant idea in the, in the shower. Uh, I was like, Cowboys debate about shit all the time. You know, what bit's uh, better than this? Cowboy or puncher versus buckaroo. Uh, wade tree versus fork tree. Long rope versus short rope. You name it. Um, you know, hard-ass boss versus the, you know, the the cool boss. You know, like, you, you can argue about shit all day long because uh, contrary to popular, uh, you know, opinion, belief uh most of the day cowboys pretty uh monotonous and um ho-hum well said <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it, it it's just uh kind of kind of in the nature that like you get to you get to picking on each other and then you'll you'll get to arguing with somebody just because uh i don't know it it passes the time and uh and then you get quicker on your arguments and then uh and then maybe somebody gets one over you on on your arguments so then you got to go like look it up cuz it's eating at you and and uh i don't know it's just uh it's one of those things and i thought we should probably do some sort of oxford style or and and we're going to go over through some debate styles cuz i i never did get to be in uh on a debate team uh, which i clearly should have been i, I would have loved it but uh anyway i i think for the first debate the the burning daylight cowboy debate series we tackle all the the classic topics that that cowboys bitch about and uh and me and you will moderate this first one and i think we just go right right to the heart of it all puncher versus buckaroo Man, I, I hope I'm the guy for this because I, I tie all. I mean, I I have a, I mean, I have a swell fork saddle that has a four inch horn in it that's wrapped slick, 
and I either tie off or I dally on slick. Like the other day I had to rope one. Uh, we were gathering a bunch of cows we just weaned and want calves and put back in and we drove them through a gate and I intended to put my horn knot on but things got fast and I rolled up and dallied slick horn I you know I, I used to be a lot more opinionated about the topic and then I finally figured out eh, I mean it all works so I, I am kind of I'm curious to get some guys who are probably a little more entrenched in the styles to justify their points on both sides mm-hmm. that's not just because I grew up almost strictly cowpuncher influence there in the panhandle of Texas. Um, and then as you kind of branch out, you, and you you know, it's like everything else. I never did like a wade, not for any other reason than I just didn't. You know, it wasn't against the saddle. Um, mm. wasn't against the style. I just I, – I've owned a couple of A-fork saddles and um, just always enjoyed a swell fork. You know, it wasn't – didn't have anything to do with how it made me look. I tried a flat hat briefly – um palm leaf and then it came in and rained one day all day and it turned into a sunbonnet and i abandoned that just because i was soaked i was like well shit maybe i missed the crease a little bit just to turn some rain but i am i'm very curious to get some people who are uh, a little more committed to their cause and hear how they can kind of either justify it or you know at the very least tell the other guy he's a dumbass and i, I would love to hear it yeah and and but also do it in a uh in a structured setting, like, you know, like we, we can pretend to be civilized for, for an hour and a half or whatever. Yep. Uh, but also you can call somebody a dump, like the, the traditional, like, I think we kind of got to have to mix it with like the, the parliamentary style debate, you know? Cause like, if you ever watch the British parliament, they'll call each other cocksuckers and stuff. Um, <laughs> well, I mean like they, uh, Somebody will get up there. Whoever has the floor will give up, get up and give his speech, and he'll get booed from the from the rest of the parliament. And I kind of love it, you know. I, I uh, well, and like you know, parliamentary style typically is two on two, um, mm-hmm. which I think is great. That probably fits what we're trying to do. We can't do a six on six. That's just going to be fucking chaos. No, no, like we might. Like that would have to be an in-person thing, and yes, and it would still not accomplish shit, but it would be fun. Yeah, but there's no (laughs) way we could get that on, (laughs) on on Um, jammed on one screen. But I, I think, and also maybe if this works out online, we can, we can kind of translate that to, like, hey, next year at Elko, we'll have a, you know, before the before the comedy show and before the, you know, the music we'll uh, we'll do a cowboy debate and we'll do it live. And I like, shit, I, I, cause I like, I'm like I was saying, it's, uh, it's one of those things that's just as uh, much a cowboy as roping or riding or trading, you know, it's mm-hmm. just, it's part of it. Shit talking. Oh, yeah. I mean, healthy debate is always encouraged. And you know something I've always wanted to do? So you've got the Western States, you know, Ranch Rodeo Association and the WRCA. I've, I've mm-hmm. competed in both. Um, I always thought it would be cool to take, like, let's say the top three finishers in Amarillo mm-hmm. and then the top three at Winnemucca and just do kind of a daddy of them all because neither one admits that. They both say, well, we cater to all Western states, but 
the Western States is a Buckaroo Association, and the WRCA is a cowpuncher. It just is. Yeah, I mean, it really I, is. I say, no, that's not true. And I'm like, dude, I've, I've been to both. Yes, and even the rules. I mean, even, you know, in as far as the rules go, it, it's oriented one way or the other. But I've always thought that would be kind of fun. I don't know where neutral ground would be. Maybe like Prescott, um, Arizona, yeah. I mean, something like that, you know. Yeah, the, either there or like uh... – like somewhere in Wyoming would be, would yeah, be, that'd uh, be that'd be close. I mean, there's if you get just a little south of there, there's a ton of cowpuncher, and then just a mm-hmm. little north, there's a ton of buckaroo. So that would probably yeah, put you pretty close. There's a lot of a lot of folks that that ride buckaroo style out in Nebraska too. So but, yeah, uh, which it's weird. I've worked with a lot of Nebraskans now, just you know mm-hmm. through the years, and it's weird because I've seen guys in Nebraska that literally came from like ten miles from each other. And one will yeah. be flat hat, arm eaters, wade tree saddle. And the other guy has a chain link on the end of his rope and a taco hat. I was like, what the fuck are y'all doing over there, man? Like, I, I don't like, know. It's <laughs> wild. And uh, Montana's kind of a lot like that, too, because you mm-hmm. got, you know, I mean, the, the first ones up there were the punchers. I mean, they, they came straight mm-hmm. up, straight from Texas. But then, you know, the, the buckaroos uh, filtered in from Idaho. And, uh, yeah, Washington, it's – yeah, it's 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 kind of kind of crazy. I it's it's one of the I don't know, man. The 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 Western expansion of uh, the United States. That's the I I think hands down the most interesting time in history that I that mm-hmm. I've come across. It's just so. It's like the last real clash of cultures, and uh, yeah, I mean, as far as like modernity running head on into essentially what we looked like 10,000 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. In which like American settlement was weird because, you know, <laughs> manifest destiny and the belief that, you know, we should own everything to the West, but the U S what it, it was settled like that to a certain extent, but the West coast and the East coast both got settled. It was that middle section of the u.s that was a bitch i mean kind mm-hmm. of the high deserts the actual deserts and the plains all held very aggressive mounted tribes that were extremely difficult to root out um yeah. it's kind of well, funny like where i came from like we don't have very many old towns like most of those towns were founded post 1900 and there was no secret. It was the Comanche. I mean, that was the absolute reason we couldn't get it settled where the Comanche were so damn aggressive. It took that long to whip them. Um, yeah, I just say absolutely. that if you go just a little bit east of there or a little bit west of there, um, shit, there are several towns founded 1850s, 1870s. But um, like I said, the, the, the mid, the, well, it's not the Midwest kind of should be, but it's not, but the Plains corridor, Mm-hmm. It was really the last frontier in the U.S. I mean, it was a son of a bitch. They, they, the Indian Wars, and that's not, I'm not, you know, I'm not discounting. California had a very rich Wild West history, as did Oregon, Washington. But, yeah, um, but the, the, the Indians on the coast weren't nearly as warlike as the, the Plains Indians because mm-hmm. they didn't have to be. Sure. Yeah. Um, um the Plains, I mean, yeah, there, there was, uh, they're like, hey, motherfucker, this is my buffalo herd, not yours. Get the fuck out. They were, and it's, um, it's kind of funny too because uh, 
just the other week. So I'm, of course, I'm in Colorado now, just south of Cheyenne. But uh, we were down. Me and a buddy drove down to Texas to help Dad for a few days. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we we take the route down through southeastern Colorado, Oklahoma, or Colorado, the Oklahoma Panhandle, down into the Panhandle of Texas, so back through some of your old stomping grounds, you know. Oh, yeah. And uh, that's it. He kind of commented. He's like, you know, it's weird because if you get just a little bit west of here, it's Rocky Mountains, but it all looks the same pretty much for this 10 hour drive. I mean, through these plains, it's just damn near identical. Yep. And I was like, you know, it's that way all the way to Canada. It really, I mean, it's unchanging in almost an odd way just for the span, if that makes sense. You're just like, yeah. holy shit, how far does this go? You know? Well, and I always go back to uh, the Dust Bowl because, like that, that, that's what I know. Like that's that's where I'm from. And uh, but that uh, I can't recommend the book, The Worst Hard Time, uh, mm-hmm. enough. Like it's such a good book. Yeah. And uh, they they had a map of like the the you know the coverage of the Dust Bowl because you know Boy City, Oklahoma, is what they considered the the center of it. The heartland. Yeah, but yeah. It, yeah, but it went all the way up to like North Dakota all the way down into Mexico. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it covered a lot of country, but like, no matter which way the wind was blowing, it was hitting Boy City, Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that dirt was hitting Boy City, Oklahoma. Just getting, just getting a little butt blasted right there in the panhandle. It's a, and that's, you know, that's always, I've got a lot of buddies that grew up um, there in the panhandle of Oklahoma. And, uh, it's kind of funny because they always tell me about how, just how forgotten they were because, and you can say that about southeastern Colorado, northeastern New Mexico, Panhandle, oh, yeah. Texas. But, uh, it's weird because, like, there's, I mean, it it really, if you talk about Colorado, I mean, what is, even y'all fucking state insignia has mountains, and you know what I mean? And, I mean, yeah. it's that you think of Steamboat, you think of Aspen, all this. Yep. Oklahoma, you know, you think Oklahoma City, maybe Tulsa, you know, I mean, uh, down towards southern Oklahoma, Texas, Houston, Dallas, Fort Worth, Austin. Yeah, um, Stillwater. Yeah. yeah and, like you, uh, and then there's just kind of that forgotten section of Colorado, Texas, Oklahoma, New Mexico that a lot yeah. of my good buddies come from, but it's it, um, it's weird because the southeastern Coloradans and like the front range Coloradans, you can tell immediately are not the same people. No. I mean, long, but like, and it's the same way for me. You know, I meet people from Houston. And I'm like, you're not even the same fucking Texan as I am. Yeah, like, we are that, not that East East Texas is a whole different. Like, I, I have a hard time picking out East Texas versus Louisiana. Uh, same. Yeah, like there that that coon ass runs deep. <laughs> And it it's weird. I, you know, growing up in Texas, well, I, I worked for a pretty big yearling man. He's based out of Texas, but I worked for him in New Mexico. And then he's got a high-risk outfit he owns down in Falls County, Texas, which is like deep, pretty deep Central East Texas. Um, I thought, hell, I'll, you know, back home in Texas, that doesn't sound bad, which, you know, that's about 10 hours from where I grew up. But um it was the craziest shit in the world. I mean, the, my accent was different from theirs. How we did everything was different. And I was like, this is not, though we both have the same license plates, this is a completely different thing. And uh, I ran into the same thing when I was in Southern Oklahoma versus my buddies that grew up in the Oklahoma panhandle. I mean, it was, it's, it's 
though they exist under the same banner, um, the state governments of all those states I just mentioned for the most part, even they have almost completely forgotten about those sections of their states mm. just because it's not what you think of. It has no sex appeal for the most part mm. to the state yeah. economy besides agriculture or natural well, gas. Speaking of sex appeal and, uh, and, and no sex appeal, uh, Kansas as a state has no sex appeal, but Southwest Kansas, like it's, it's the less sexy retarded <laughs> cousin of, of the rest of Kansas. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, At least Southeast Kansas gets rain. You know what I mean? Like it at least rains in like Southeastern Kansas. And then yeah, like South Kansas, Kansas got the, the Flint Hills, you know, like, yeah. And then like far West Kansas, that's the thing you always, you know, like even my buddies and if there's any Kansas guys listening, they're probably going to get ass hurt. But, uh, I've worked in Kansas. Some, I don't have anything oh, against off. You, their, their favorite football team doesn't even play in Kansas. I know. And isn't that unless, <laughs> guys, um, and, uh, but, uh, it's, um, it is weird. Like all my cowboy buddies love to talk about everywhere they've traveled. And I've worked with some handy SOBs out of Kansas. Um, I don't know any of my cowboy buds that are just bragging about all their time they spent uh, up in Kansas. <laughs> you know, it was like, man, I got the fuck out of there. Oh, and, and you know, it's just like, it's like big corporate yard after big corporate yard in Kansas. And, mm -hmm. uh, and then just a lot of farmer ranchers and uh, heavy on yeah. the farmer. It, uh, you know, I was thinking about that the other day because I had a good buddy of mine that I've kind of, oh, taught him some stuff I know, which is pretty limited. But uh, he was asking me who the best guys I ever cowboyed around, like what state that was, uh, you know. And I tried to give him an honest answer, and I said, well, you know, as far as how stuff was done, I loved how just gathers and stuff went in Northern Arizona and the Panhandle of Texas. Like it's very orchestrated. Everybody's dropped off, stay in your holes, a lot of etiquette. And I really enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. The best horsemen, like as far as guys that were making outstanding horses, I got to cut them a lot of credit. The Southern Oklahoma guys were really well mounted and they could mm -hmm. rope. And I mean, like the average roper in the in southern Oklahoma could go anywhere and be, I mean, and stick out. Those dudes were ropey, but there's a ton of those little farmer, you know, there's a million little farmers around there who have spooled cows. So those Okies are getting to rope all the time. I mean, oh, that's yeah. they, they get to rope constantly. Um, up north, the camp guys, just the quality of like camp jacks and stuff. And by up north, I'm usually referring to like Wyoming, Montana, some of that country. Yeah, yeah. Just throw, you can throw some of Idaho in there, but some I, Idaho. Idaho goes pretty hard, Buckaroo. Once you cross that line, it seems like they do. Yeah, and that's and and I like I said, I've worked with some good Buckaroos. Uh, worked with several guys out in Nevada. I was really, really impressed with. Um, Rex Bird is probably the one of the best I've ever worked with. And he was – but he was a buckaroo in taste, I mean, as far as long ropes mm -hmm. and armitas and shit. Um, that guy loved to jerk down cattle. I mean, he may as well have been tied off with that 60-foot rope because he loved you it. You know, I've, I've noticed the uh, – so I, I'm coming up on – what is it? Six years? Um, yeah, I think it's, co I'm coming up on six years here in Nevada. Maybe it's seven. I can't remember, but I guess 2017, 
So yeah, I'm coming up on six years. Um, mm-hmm. And man, the the Buckaroos, uh, they'll they'll get rough with a cow just as quick as any puncher um, when when it comes to it. But they <laughs> sure get real sanctimonious when they're talking about it. Right? And, and he, you know, yeah. it's it's uh, uh, <laughs> not not all of them, but. Like that, that whole, it, it wouldn't be a stereotype if there wasn't some truth behind it. <laughs> and, uh, and, well, and he, uh, Rex grew up on a lot of those bigger ranches in Nevada and stuff. And we were, we were discussing the style changes. And he asked me about like Texas. And I said, you know, like my granddad and those guys, most of those guys wore four, you know, three and a half inch brim, four inch brim, silver bellies, almost universal. There were, I, you know, taco creases, I don't even know if you saw till like, 90s probably that real hard maybe like but it was like uh it was really like early 2000s it was kind of like when like when me and you coming up i don't know who where where it come from like the the brims got bigger as the years went on uh, the five inches got hot yeah yeah but then the taco like that texas taco crease with like the v in the back and then and real squared up you know like it that's fairly modern. I mean, and you'll see some of yeah. the old timers that wore the little brimmed hats and kind of had the round in the sixties. You see a lot of it, but it wasn't. See, and you'll hear a lot of buckaroos, old timers. They'll talk about like the flat hat wasn't a thing till the nineties either. That, and I was Rex. I asked him about that. Like, when did you start seeing the flat hats? And he said the first couple of times he actually saw guys show up to Brandon's with flat hats. Um, he said they actually shapped them and just thought it was the dumbest looking <laughs> shit. Um, of course, now it's, you know, it's standard practice now, but mm. uh, it's in the Texans are just as, and I, when I say Texans, I should probably say the cow punchers because I, you know, I associate the influences, but anyway, well, the cow punchers like, are. It, it's, yeah, it, it's really, it's Texas versus California and then, <laughs> and then the border states join, join mm-hmm. the ranks, but. And, but yeah, the, you know, we always talk about, you know, how the old timers did it, but like, I've gotten a lot of pictures from like the twenties and thirties, um, that I love just of the old big ranches and that those, that spanning from deep South Texas to the Canada line, to be honest, most of those cowboys look the same. They just look poor. I mean, you, you know, mm-hmm. the amount of guys in Nevada and Texas who were punching cows and Brogan shoes and, you know, overalls like the song, was substantial. I mean, they dressed like people that worked for a living and afforded what they could. I think oh, most I of mean, just, yeah, listening to boots, you know, like listening mm-hmm. to boots talk about, he's like, well, the biggest thing about cowboy and now versus then is even the poor cowboys got a little bit of money nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. uh, <laughs> you know, and back then it was just like, I mean, a hundred bucks a month and, you, you blew that all when you went to town. So you had to go yeah, exactly. right back to work so you could make <laughs> another month's wages to blow in town. Well, and and like my great-granddad grew up on large ranches, and I've gotten to talk to a lot of the old-timers back home. Uh, and, you know, it was – and it's the same way in all – it's not just back home. It's everywhere. I mean, we work hard on ranches now like you do. But back then, I mean, it – for all the fun you were having, I mean, you were on those wagons a lot of times until the remuda couldn't stand it. You know what I mean? Until the remuda got support from the winter grass. Right. Um, I mean, yeah, finally that's break. what that's what Boots always would say is like when the horses got weak, that's when you came in off the wagon. 
And I don't know how many guys that listen, you know, have ever been on a wagon or anything. If you have, you know, for a week or something, it's pretty fun. You know what I mean? It's like, man, we're we're really doing it. You know what I mean? And then like <laughs> after about a month, it's kind of like, man, you know, like this uh this kind of sucks dick. You know, like this is not all that fun. I'm wet, I'm cold, I stink like shit. <sighs> um yeah and you imagine doing that for five or six months at a whack like the diamond a's in arizona back in their heyday when they were really rolling uh when they were still the three v's at one point they ran four wagons year round on that yeah. ranch um and i talked to a guy who was on one of those and uh he said you know it sounds stupid um he said a lot of times they would cut all of us loose to go to town when there got to be a fight every night. And he said, you got so fucking sick of everybody <laughs> that it was just a brawl every night. And they'd finally cut you loose to go to town. And uh, he said, but besides getting hurt, I mean, there, there just wasn't days off. I mean, you did every damn day, sun up to sundown. And that, though that sounds fun on paper, um, there's a reason a lot of those guys quit. I mean, after they, uh, got up into their thirties and went to town. I mean, that was hard ass work and yeah. we've got a little bit better, you know, nowadays. Well, you know, speaking of that, that diamond, a, I was, uh, yeah. So I, I was messaging their, uh, one of their managers, uh, Josh Keller the other day. Mm -hmm. uh, do you know him? I don't know, Josh. Uh, when I was out there, Jake Bowman was running it. So I'm kind of out of the loop now, as far as that goes. Okay. Anyway, yeah. I, I just thought maybe I I didn't know if you'd knew him. You know the you know this mm -hmm. whole cowboy world's pretty small. But every now and then, like I had I hadn't heard of him until it, it's. This is also like people were asking how I, I find guests sometimes, and they're like mm -hmm. it, sometimes it's tough because like, you know it's hard getting people to getting schedules to line up. But I uh, this guy. I was reading his comments on another guy's like uh post on one of those like ranch jobs groups. I forget which oh, one it was, Christ. but and um and anyway he had a he had a good response and I can't remember exactly what it was, but I just remember like I and then I went and looked at his profile and he's a uh, ranch manager at the Diamond Ace. So I was like, I wonder if he'll do a podcast. So I sent him mm -hmm. a message and he said he'd do it. So now I gotta I gotta set up a time, but that'll be a fun anyway. one. That's it. That's a cool ranch. Yeah. I enjoyed it. <clears throat> I've never been down there, and uh, I'd like to. Like that's that's one part of the world I've never I've never really rode in. I rode a little bit uh, in the Nevada desert. I've never been up in Idaho, and I've drove through uh, the Grand Canyon country there, the the Arizona Strip. Sure. Um, but I've never I've never rode out there, and I'd like to. You know, it's uh, I uh, rode up in Montana. I rode in Texas. I rode in Oklahoma. Sure. Mostly in the panhandles there, but oh yeah, I mean where we all got to somehow, you know, because you had a friend who had a friend who was Brandon next week, five hours away, and that was you know three right. states. And uh, so yeah, we, yeah, and you heard there uh, might be a couple hot girls there. As yeah, well, so, so you know, might as well might as well load. <laughs> like I said, see mm -hmm. what happens. Yeah, yeah. I uh, so like in Idaho, I'm pretty limited too. Um, I helped the guy a little bit there around Pocatello, and that's that's mm -hmm. about the extent of uh of my idaho cowboy i had a buddy up there who come out of arizona and he loved he said the country was cool as shit uh, he he really enjoyed it now he was definitely out of place he was a dally on rubber and tie off guy and he said they looked mm -hmm. at him pretty he got in a few bar fights over it but i think he recovered well but yeah he uh mm -hmm. yeah he, they, they sure didn't think much of him up there and i was like well you know i promise yeah. if you show up with a 
flat hat at a bar in Amarillo, you're going to get the same treatment. So like I said, it, it happened. Um, right. Um, I, uh, but yeah, I, you know, I kind of time back in, I guess, to what I was saying, um, you know, as far as like where they do it the best, that is a, that is a sliding scale as to what people do well, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. It's just because, I mean, like, you know, and well, and like up north, the main thing I noticed was there just aren't that many wild cattle. Those cattle, you know, for the most part are on metas most of the winter, so you're in them a lot. Mm. And like up north, you prowl through your cattle a lot in the summer. And I don't know yeah. how, you know, like they're in the panhandle for the summer in Arizona and all those southwestern ranches, like, you, I mean, twice a year. I mean, spring and fall, you know, you would gather it. But other than that, you just didn't. Uh, you know, and most of that isn't because those guys want gentle cows up north. It's because they run on federal land or state land, you know, so mm-hmm. it's a lot more, there's a lot more to it. And in the Southwest, it's kind of dominated by large private ranches. So nobody's telling you, have your shit out of here by September too, you know, so it, yeah. it makes well, it, it all. in, in Texas. Um, oh, like, yeah. yeah. And, but yeah, once, once you get into like uh new mexico and arizona there's you know a lot of not not as not near as much uh you know federal land as, as it is you know like utah and nevada and idaho's well, got quite a bit too no, um i you know which in arizona i guess i worked for one ranch in the tonto basin for a while and they were mostly federal um yeah. and then like the diamond a's and a lot of those ranches are all, they're all private um and the federal land, it's necessary to operate, you know, for a lot of these ranches, but it's a horrid pain in the ass. I mean, I, I have a oh, lot of sympathy fuck. for a lot, of, especially the northern guys who have to deal with that shit. Um, it's a horrid pain in the dick to op- to try to be coexist well, Jen, with the federal Jen, government. Jen and Logan Hill, who we had the, our first uh, mm-hmm. philosophizing, is, uh, is in the job description. You know, I mean, yeah. you know, his, his family is one of the, uh, you know, I don't know how early of, of the Mormons they were, but they were, you know, w- one of the Mormon families that helped settle, you know, old Deseret mm-hmm. and it was the BLM and just local politics that drove them, uh, to Nebraska, you know, of all oh, places they went East. Is Jennifer Mormon? No, her, her husband, uh, his family is Mormon. That's I, I don't think they, I don't believe. think he's a can't believe you made me associate he... with a Mormon if they, if she was. <laughs> no, no, she's not Mormon. I, I, I'm just I don't know. One shit, by the way. I don't even think it's Mormon. Your beliefs um, are dumb. <laughs> no, and and his uh, his family, uh, uh, you know, was, was old old school Mormon, but I, I don't think he's practicing. I, I don't know. I can't I can't speak for. It. I don't. I don't no, think no. they subscribe I, uh... to that flavor anymore, but. Well, I've it's got funny, a lot of... the Mormons are are a lot like the Jews nowadays. Like where they're <laughs> yeah. like even if they're not in the religion anymore, like they're still in that bloodline now. Like, <laughs> like yeah. which is kind of you know, Joseph Smith, Brigham Young. They thought they were the lost tribe of the Jews. So lost uh, tribe of Israel. Yeah, somehow so, made it. I mean, technically, I mean, so it's not not a surprise now. But you you look at it here. What is it? Oh, started in like the 18 1830 so coming up on 200 years later like well they've kind of made themselves a uh a race as well as a religion you know like they uh, have i've got a lot know, of Mormon buddies 
Go in. You know, maybe uh, Adolf Hitler should have uh, embraced polygamy a little bit there in the Third Reich, and he would have got a little more, a little more, more, a little more oh. support on the back end. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I've got a lot of Mormon buddies, and I love to give them shit. And uh, I was teasing one of my, but one of them, I was drinking beer and teasing him about he couldn't have none. He's a horrible Mormon because if you asked him twice, he'd refuse a beer on that third one. He couldn't turn it down. But uh, I, uh, I was teasing <laughs> it was because that. the Princess Bride was probably the only uh, movie he was allowed to watch. Right. You, know, like <laughs> you, you can only ask if you ask him three times. He... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I loved it. I was teasing him one day about because he didn't become Mormon until he was like, shit, he's like 25. And I was oh, like, no shit. <laughs> oh, and I was like, how the fuck do you fall for that shit? At 25, and he said, well, how did you grow up? And I was like, yo, I grew up Baptist originally, you know, Southern Baptist. I'm not necessarily religious anymore, but, um, yeah. and he goes, you know, he said, I grew up Methodist, and he said, best I could figure, he said, Mormonism was no more ridiculous than being a Methodist. And I was like, well, you know, I guess I can respect that point too. But, you know, I was like, you know, I, I don't well, know that any of them are more right or wrong than the other necessarily. See, I'm starting to come around more to the to the Mormons because at least they keep their women in line, you know? Oh, man. And I will say, like it or not, in a lot of those little Wyoming towns, if you saw some smoking hot little blonde walking around, just put the money on it. She was Mormon. Mm. Yeah, most likely. Don't know how that worked, but, man, that gene pool, though narrow, is working for them in a lot of places. <laughs> like, good for right. them. Well, they're, they uh, – they, Unlike the Jews, they spread the wealth around. Like they, they go <laughs> preach. You know, yeah. like the the Jews yeah. try to keep everybody out, and and the, and the Mormons are like, nope, we're spreading it. They're like, hey, uh, you know that whole thing where we're talking about like, uh, you know, the dark skinned uh, be, be becoming white and delightful and stuff. Let's. Uh, <laughs> have you seen these Samoan people? Right. They look like they could probably play some football. Sure. Yeah. At BYU, maybe we should uh, go <laughs> preach to them. Yeah, maybe we should go. Yeah, find a cruise. And uh, no, I, I I've got a lot of Mormon buddies that uh, that I love to give shit for for their fucking beliefs, and most of them take it pretty well. Um, um they take it I better think, than my I think they students. have the toughest skin around. Uh, the Absolutely, they they. I mean, most of my Baptist buddies I grew up with do not take criticism well. Um. Mm -hmm. Neither do my Church of Christians, but the Mormons say what you like. They they know that they're the they're the butt of the joke, and they don't mind. Mm -hmm. They got um, a yeah, they got a great sense of humor, or at least maybe not a great sense of humor, but they uh, they take shit well. They do, and I assume when you sign up for it, you gotta know what's coming. <laughs> like it's not mm -hmm. like you're being blindsided. That's a Google you search. You know, like when when we went to church, so we were talking about being persecuted for your faith, and and maybe that's true in a bigger city, but um, in small town Colorado and small town Texas, um, no. you know, you persecuted everybody else for their non faith. <laughs> yeah, for, for them not having their ass. <laughs> yeah, um, and which you know, it's funny kind of talking about religion because I get asked often by family and friends, you know, if I'm an atheist or what. And I've had to kind of reflect on that. I never used to worry about it until I had kids mm -hmm. um, because I want to be able to give them an honest answer. You know what I mean? Cause I don't want them to think, well, dad's a, you know, dad's a fence bird. Um, and I still can't, I mean, that's a thing I've thought about it a hundred times. I'm like, you know, I, 
I don't know. I guess in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, I probably am a deist. You know, I probably have some deist beliefs. Um, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily subscribe to any religion, you know, but I, it's, it's tough. I've thought about that a lot since having kids and as they get older of what, you know, what do you tell them? Because I don't, I can't tell them something I don't believe, you know, but at the same time, I can't tell them whether there's nothing up there because I don't, hell, I, I don't have any more faith in that theory than I do, you know, the big bangs. I, I really no, don't see, know. That's kind of where I, I fall back on, on Christianity is same way with your buddy did on, on Mormonism versus Methodist, you know, mm-hmm. I, uh, <clears throat> I, I listen to some of these, these supposed like smartest people that ever lived and they talk about all these theories and, you know, but it's all based off of the big bang theory, mm-hmm. which if you believe that, then you, <clears throat> you believe in something that you cannot prove and um and there's no way of saying but you're saying as as the best of my knowledge this is what happened Mm -hmm. okay well the best of my knowledge somebody greater than us created all of this Mm -hmm. and so i i think no matter religion permeates everything no matter no matter if it's atheism or or deism atheism Mm -hmm. is a big of a of a faith as uh you know as as christianity is because you believe that there is nothing else out there and it all came from and imagine that probably not all atheists believe that the earth originated from the big bang you know the universe whatever but either way i guess and i've i've told people you know if i do believe in a in a god I could also believe that, I mean, it's possible that God, you know, if he existed, um, I still don't know why there can't be a God and a big bang. If I was going to subscribe right. to that he train just of thought. A little poof. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I, I guess it could be both. I don't know. I, that's a, it's, See, it, I'm mean, in a If you spot. get to considering um, Mormonism, what they, they believe. And then you're like, oh shit, that could have been like, uh, you know, one of Brigham Young's, um, descendants that went and created the big bang and then created this universe you know okay 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 it's just just, uh who the fuck knows (laughs) at the end of the day i don't know oh it's what's weird to me is like the cowboy culture too so a lot of cowboys aren't not that they're bad. I know a lot of really good citizens who punch cows for a living, but I know twice as many that are degenerates in every <laughs> um, like the, in the like every possible way. Yeah, in every fucking way mentionable. Like they are horrible citizens, horrible neighbors. But I guess a lot of it's due to Hollywood that there's like this, you know, especially conservative Hollywood and kind of the golden mm-hmm. age. You always, you know, it's always with a background of like we are strong, patriotic, Bible-loving oh, folk. I, I, like, I remember I, this sticks out in my head, and uh, uh, not not to cut off your point, but it, oh, it just adds to it. Um, I promise it. There was like something at the end of the. It was on Facebook, and I, I forget what they were bitching about, and uh, and some some lady was, and she was an older lady probably lived in a small town but i know she did not grow up on a ranch i, I like i looked at because i you know i always like to look and see who i'm talking to before oh, yeah. i write anything and um yeah. 
And she had this big, long diatribe about it's a moral, um, holds his hat over his heart when the anthem plays and um, yeah. bows his head when and says grace every every meal and blah. And I said, well, in my world, a cowboy is a guy who, or is somebody who takes care of cows on horseback. Yeah. That's it. And like the rest I, of that stuff is all just smoke and mirrors. No, no. I, well, and I, I, you know, this is a huge beef of mine. And especially when you do cowboy for a living, um, because I get so sick of seeing like, well, I have the spirit of a cowboy. And like you said, you know, I always say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. And I was like, do you cowboy for a living? You know, like, are you mounted, taking care of livestock? Like, that's what a cowboy is. You can't have the fucking spirit of a heart surgeon. You are, you are, you are not. <laughs> yeah, can you, know you mean? It's like, a I mean, heart without killing somebody? Yeah, and it's like, you know, it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, cowboying is an occupation. I, I can, I guess, and I get it because, you know, in some ways, I may, this sounds dumb, and I'm going to get roasted by far lefties that ever hear this, but like, I sympathize with some of the, natives for like you know our culture has been reduced to a halloween costume uh-huh. um, because we have some you know um i'm like you know you're i i had a debate with a relative the other day because she said they went to a a cowboy bar and you know her date dressed you know he was dressed like a cowboy and it was all cowboys in the bar and i was like we're like Cowboys, like was you know rodeo, was there a rodeo in town or what? Because I mean, it's rare you see a bar just jam packed with cowboys or something, you know. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Well, yeah, like everyone had on their hats and stuff." And I was like, "Well, that's people in Western attire." You know what I mean? I was like, "That's not, that's not cowboys." Not a cowboy bar. Yeah, I was like, "Those aren't cowboys. Those are people in Western attire." That's a. If I see somebody, your your cowboys are going to be in seventeen layers and a scotch cap, (laughs) and probably with a jean jacket with the the collar flipped up this time of year. Yeah, and that's you know, and that's you know, I was like, you know, I mean, that's and I know this sounds dumb, but if I see someone in a bolo tie, I can almost immediately tell you that motherfucker couldn't catch one and saddle one if his life depended on it. Yeah. Like, I was like, I don't know any cowboy who wears a fucking bolo tie. Like, I was right. like, that's not a thing we do. I don't know where that came mm. from. Yeah. And, and I had, to, I had to talk to my, like all of my, my like city boyfriends at one point. I'm just like, they, they keep saying they assless chaps. Well, first of all, it's chaps, chaps it comes from chaparreros mm-hmm. means short pants, but yeah. If they had an ass to them, they would just be leather pants. Yeah, I've made the same point of like shaps can't have an ass in them. Then that's just pants. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's like that's kind of the, the defining marker of shaps. The the closest that you come to having pants in, in the shaps world are the armidas. Like that's yep. the that's honestly the closest because you have the fringe, uh, you know, and and it, and yeah, it just yeah, yeah. everything thing. else. No, like shaps are not meant to have an ass. Yeah, no, I mean that like that would defeat the point of said shaps. You know what I mean? Like that, that would yeah, be. I, can you imagine it. having shap leather on your ass crack all day? I can't. You know, if you pitch to people like, how about some raw denim? That doesn't sound great either. But like we do it constantly. And, yeah. Uh, well, but honestly, the the first like four or five days in that raw denim is not great. Not 
it's not. I've been chafed to shit with a nice yeah. brand new pair of Levi's. Um, you, you try to you, you try to break in those uh, those new raw denim in the winter when you've got layers underneath them. <laughs> Which I'm a free baller in the summer. I'm I've been commando since I was 12, and I I, I can't oh, imagine how, that. How do you deal with the sharts? I don't see. I, you're you're not the only guy who asked me that because I have so many friends. Like, what about like if you shart? And I I guess my diet is not conducive to sharting because I'm not. I just mm. don't. I just don't. I I may. I just don't leave I the feel, house. That I feel day like you're being much. racist at me right now. Like it's not racist. It is not. It is not my fault that I eat a lot of jalapenos. It is in I, my DNA. Whatever you know, you're, you're a fucking bigot, and I and I hate you right now. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> I get asked because you can go free ball and not shart yourself. That like I hate dude, you for that, you fucking bigot. I'm not gonna turn him in over a podcast, but just today I found out when we went to help my dad with his some of his shit back home. This guy I brought with me got a horrible stomach virus during this trip and accidentally shit himself a little bit in my mother's spare bedroom. Um, oh, no. And he, he was like, uh, I was giving him shit because you're going to, you know, you have to. And he's like, it's never happened to you. It's like, I can honestly say since adulthood, I have never, I've never shit my, not once, never voided my bowels on myself. I've been slick clean since at least, let's say oh. like the, you know, my my inaugural time at the, the National Western Stock Show, I believe I was eighth grade. We went up for, for FFA mm -hmm. and I came down with something fierce, like right before we went, but I was nice. not going to miss the show. You know, like yeah. it's eighth grade and you, you get to go out of town with your buddies. Yeah. It's big shit, and, man. Oh man. I shit myself going into oh, the rodeo at the, <laughs> at the national Western shocks oh, show. Oh, and, uh, and like, so I found where we were going in and I was like, I got to go to the bathroom and I uh, waddled my, myself over there. And, uh, I just bought a new knife at, at the hall of education from one of those cheesy ass vendors, <laughs> you know, that, and, uh, it was probably a dragon knife. If I remember right, I can't remember, yeah, sure, it, you know, you know, one of those cool things yeah. when, when you were eighth grade <laughs> and, uh, I cut my underwear off. Yeah. So I didn't have to take my pants off. Right. And um and I just promptly left them on the floor. Uh you know, cleaned myself up. And um and then I kept a kept a little cushion of uh you know, what do you ever watch Robin Big on Oh uh, yeah, I used to love it. Yeah. yeah right. The Man Pawn. Yeah. I did the Man I did the Man Pawn. It works. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you have know, to... like if you've already shit yourself once, don't take any other chances, man. I get it. I get it. I am sympathetic to the fact that there are people that risk shitting themselves, but I just, I'm blessed. I don't, I haven't done it. I don't walk out of the house planning on it. I had another buddy one time in uh, eighth grade, actually, same grade, um, who nutted himself one time. Um, mm. which I thought was odd, but it, it happened. I saw the remnants. Him and his girlfriend were doing some heavy petting on the oh. bus. Um, we were going I've to never uh, had that. Never had that. Like my first time went way too long. You know, same. Like, yeah, I couldn't go because I jacked off my whole life, so it was a completely different feeling. I didn't know. You know what I mean? It's like I can't. It's not going to happen. I'm not used yeah. to this sensation. Yeah, and yeah, same thing. It was. It was like way too long, and eventually, like. 
yeah, it just it it wasn't. I mean, it was fun, but then yeah. then I got used to like the anxiety kicks in, you know, because you're like, what the, is it broke? <laughs> My first time was in a grove of trees in the middle of town, and uh, oh shit, oh man, I was a horny little shit, but uh, couldn't same couldn't finish. But I remember after we got what we called done, I was like, that's you know, this has gone on too long. Like, let's call it. I still lost my virginity, so that's all that really matters. You know what I mean? That's all that really matters. I'm done. And uh, I remember she was like, you're not going to – like, this stays between us or Isaac. Yeah, I'm not – shit. I did not clear the tree line before I had made every single friend of mine aware of what I had just accomplished. Oh, I was yeah, so, same here. So proud. I was – you could. I mean, that was uh, – to this day, I can't recreate that, 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 that like, ecstasy I felt of just, like – Oh. I may die, but I won't die a virgin. You know what I mean? Like as like the best, I am. best thing I ever. Oh. I, same thing. I, I I did it in my in my the house that I was renting in college. It was my uh, you know summer after my freshman year. I had plenty of plenty of opportunity freshman year, but for whatever reason, usually too drunk. Like it wasn't whiskey dick. It was just like no, I'm just, out. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm unconscious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Or. Or I was too drunk to to make uh, to make any headway from the right. get go, yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, like so, it, it happened pretty normal in in you know in my in my house there that I that I lived <laughs> in in college. But yeah, as soon as I was done, I called everybody. Yeah, yeah, it's a big moment, you know. Fuck like, yeah. I mean, that and having my first child were probably you know tit for tat on like the right. emotional skill for me. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, yeah. Yeah. Kind of on the same level. Yeah. Much. Which I, much. I did it. I pursued it young. So I lost my virginity at 14 years old. Oh shit, dude. Yeah. That's so irresponsible. I will tell my kids, like, I know it sounds fun, but if you knock somebody up at 14, like your life is fucked. Like, as you know what I mean? Like you fucked up horrible yeah what yeah i just and, and i was so pent up at that age man i just god i walked around with just a rager like i just i couldn't help myself i was a little uh, mom. i uh i mean don't get me wrong it's not that i wasn't trying it just never never really did happen but i also grew up in a very well my dad was not was not very strict at all except you're gonna work like we went right, to work yeah. and yeah. but other than that he didn't really care too much my my mom was devout Southern Baptist, and I was in church at all times. I was, uh, you know, I, I played guitar in, in youth group. I did, you know, see yeah, the flag, the whole oh, yeah. whole shebang, dude. Oh yeah, yeah. I led the youth group for a while, yeah. and I, yeah, I, me my, too. I was I was gonna be a youth pastor there for a minute. Me too. Just didn't shake out, but <laughs> so, yeah, like, yeah, for yeah for whatever reason. Uh, no, I you know my dad. Banging sluts was kind of fun, actually. Yeah, well, that was the problem. Is I kept finding funner shit to do on Wednesdays. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> I, uh, no, my my dad was. I mean, my dad was religious, but not in like a strict sense. Like he was more of, you know, you're got you're young, whatever. You know, yeah. kind of. He kind of let me roam. My mother was a very devout Southern Baptist woman, and but I had a huge benefit because I had grown up in a really small town there in the panhandle from kindergarten till eighth grade. Mm. Well, then that took another camp job on another large ranch and uh, we moved. So all of a sudden I'm the new kid at school right after puberty has hit. 
And uh, being the new kid at school is just, I mean, especially in schools, I have like, you know, 10, 10 12 kids. You're going to fight and you're going to fuck. Yeah. I mean, it was, for me, it was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. <laughs> um, it was, it was a good time. It was perfect time. I should probably thank my dad in my adulthood now for that, that strategic move. Um, oh, and, uh, cause he, he, he benefited me greatly, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, I have probably had some of the same, like we lived on, you know, like pretty remote ranches. So like going to town, like if I was in town, um, like, and once I got to drive, I was in town on the weekends, but like in junior high and stuff, barring like sports FFA or 4 H, like you just weren't in town. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you didn't get a lot of the opportunities that town kids got for like under the slide hand jobs and stuff. Cause like we had to get on the fucking bus. You know what I mean? Cause like we had a mm -hmm. 45 an hour bus ride to our entrance to get kicked out, to walk, you know, to bum fuck nowhere, Panhandle of Texas, you know? So like, yep. Well, we got shorted on some of those early experiences, but uh, I made up for it as soon as we got that move out of the way. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, hey, I got to go take a leak going. real quick. I'll be right back. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, man. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I agree a hundred percent on like when when you're uh, well when you're a ranch kid in general, and I I didn't grow up on a big ranch. We <clears throat> those don't exist in uh, in southeast Colorado, really. But right, um, yeah. You but you didn't go to town hardly at all. Like you, mm -hmm. you outside outside of school, you just you didn't spend much time in town. Like. I got kind of lucky because my my mom was the the librarian, so she would <clears throat> when she had to go up to the school at work, she, we'd go to town with her, and we'd get to go you know to the pool in the afternoon, and yeah. that was pretty rad. Um, right. <laughs> I always I always uh, I always felt like old squints from from uh, Sandlot because I, yeah. you know, I I've always had big thick glasses, so and that, that didn't have contacts at the time, so yeah, if you went to the pool. Well, just had uh, so like I I was doing flips off the high dive, holding my holding my glasses as I hit the water. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you know, and that's kind of so. My wife grew up like she was born in Michigan, then grew up in Phoenix, like in okay. Phoenix, Arizona. Um, and uh, like so she had 
zero ties to the ranching, farming, or cowboy community. I mean, didn't know we existed. Like, literally did not know what I did for a living when we met. Didn't understand it. Mm. Um, still only – she mostly does now, but it's still, you know, vague. Um, but uh, she was asking me since I grew up in, like, these remote places, and she's like, did y'all do, like, big bonfires and that kind of stuff? And I was like, absolutely fucking – like, for foot like for homecoming yes but if you mean like huge bonfires on like people's private ranches like no like people would have shit down both legs if we would have been lighting you know bonfires on there like it doesn't fucking rain and we're from tall grass <laughs> like it would have been a disaster you know like uh all the country songs with all kind of the cliches of growing up in these small towns i remember even in high school listening to them i was like where in the fuck is this place? You know what I mean? That's like, right. that is, where is it that, that it just rains all the yeah. time? Where you can, I know, I like, yeah, well, you're just poor. You know what I mean? Like, we're all just poor. <laughs> it's like, it's nothing like, but none of this shit happens. Like, I don't know mm -hmm. what the fuck these guys are talking about because we don't do any of this shit. Um, like in high school, I mean, I played football and stuff. So, like, you had that. But I mean, other than that, it was really mostly just driving around your pickup hoping somebody had found a new cool song to jam to and yeah. uh shooting at random shit. You know what I mean? Like that was, that was literally, Honestly. I mean, there yeah. was nothing else to fucking do. I mean, what the fuck else would you, there was nothing close, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I remember we would load up and go into Amarillo like our senior year to literally just like set at the mall and like <laughs> girls. There's, I mean, that was big shit. Yeah. I mean, shit. That was like, Amarillo was a fucking metropolis compared to everything else. Um, oh, now I go yeah. back. I'm, this is a fucking shithole. But like back then, <laughs> it was fine, you know. Uh, um, well, but you know, then you get a little bit older. Then you just and you still went to Amarillo, but you went to the Ropaho. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> there wasn't shit to do. Um, and in some ways, like it was, it. Uh, I don't know. That's another thing I'm kind of facing into adulthood because the older I get. I see the flaws with where I grew up, you know, but you also, you remember a lot of the good stuff with how you grew up mm -hmm. and there's parts of me that worry I'm cheating my kids out of some of those experiences while simultaneously trying to do better mm -hmm. than we had it. Um, Cause you know, I'm sure you grew up the same. We were broke. I mean, you know, we oh, were, I mean, yeah. you know, we, we weren't living out of a cardboard box. I mean, there wasn't expendable income period. I just didn't exist. I mean, we were no. broke. But everybody was broke in those little towns, so it wasn't out of place. You know, they had those two rich families in fucking town, but, like, everybody mm -hmm. else was fucking poor. Um, and it was uh, – I don't know that I want my kids to have that experience because that wasn't fun for anybody. But then a lot of the freedoms we got living on those ranches and stuff as kids was really nice. I mean, it, it – in a lot of ways, it made me who I am today and that some of my feelings and emotions um, – and I do worry about my kids not getting that experience, but I, I still haven't figured out what the middle ground is, I guess. Um, maybe it doesn't exist. I'm not sure, you know. Yeah, you know, I, uh, I've i just come to realize, like, if you, want the, if you want things the way you like them, it's probably going to suck to get to that point. Yeah. Like, yeah. something's going to, something's got to give. And so in the meantime, if you're not there, like you better be busting your ass to get there. Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes like, I don't know, like for me, the, 
I had plenty of opportunity on the front range and uh, and elsewhere. Like I could have moved to uh, moved to the city and and done fine, but <laughs> it just wasn't. Like Fort Collins got me pretty claustrophobic. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. And that's uh, you know for me that was a big big city, and mm -hmm. uh, in the grand scheme of things, you know, you talk to somebody from New York, that's a little town. Oh <laughs> yeah. Know? My wife calls like Greeley and all this shit. She's like, you know, they're not, you know, these kind of smaller Colorado towns. I'm like, Jesus, fuck. You know what I mean? Like there's people fucking everywhere. Like right. um, by my yeah. standards, we're packed, you know. Um, but I guess growing up in Phoenix, you know, would kind of give you a different perspective on things. But, uh, it, you know, and that it, I see a lot of guys, especially guys that I grew up with and stuff that grew up cowboying or their dad's cowboyed and they grew up on ranches and a lot of guys – are not returning back to those ranches. And it's not even because they don't want to. Um, it, I mean, being broke sucks. I mean, that's the biggest deal is what most guys will tell you. Just it's the money. I mean, it, the only yeah. thing is they would go back in a heartbeat um, if they didn't pay like shit. But, I mean, mm -hmm. dude, I, I, hell, I just got offered a ranch job with a pretty big ranch up by Walden, and I've worked for them before. And uh, we, I was like, you guys are going to have to do better than you did last time on the money, you know. And um, they finally came back with their counteroffer, and 2300 was the counteroffer. And I was like, dude, I got two kids and one on the way. I mean, that's that's poverty wages. Um, Y'all yeah. been paying 2000 a month for the last 20 fucking years. You know, I mean, Jesus Christ, it's not – it's kind of sad because it's killing, it's killing the lifestyle in a lot of ways. I will say it seems like if you're good help nowadays – and there's still a lot of good help on these big ranches and these small ranches. Mm -hmm. A lot of the good help I've noticed are headed towards feedlots or just day work. I mean, I'll day work for them, cast their checks, but I don't want to answer to them. And I don't blame them just because, I mean, you're a slave to these guys at 2000 a month. Shit, if you help them brand for two weeks, you'll make that. You know what I mean? I mean, you, I mean, and then they aren't your boss. I mean, you can go back home and not worry about their bullshit. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it, it's – I don't know how how the how how that gets fixed, you know. Cause yeah, if you look at it from the, the rancher's point of view, like they're doing everything they can to to make it work, mm -hmm. and, and they and a lot of times they literally can't pay any more than they 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 do. And sure, I understand yeah. that. I get that a hundred percent. But like, also, you can't expect to get much more much worth more than that than what you're putting in mm -hmm. and and so like the they they want a guy that does an eighty thousand dollar a job year uh uh eighty thousand dollar a year job but only pay him what 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 is that um 25 yeah 24, 24. you know and that and uh you know the feedlots are they're kind of the first ones on the wagon of just start paying these guys, which they had to be because the turnover rate was ridiculous in a lot of these yards. But, uh, shit, there's several feedlots now. If you're willing to work a little bit longer hours, you can go knock down 5000 a month pretty easy, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, I mean, that's not get-rich wages, but that's damn good wages for a guy to still be mounted. You know what I mean? I mean, for your legs still swinging, that's doing pretty well. Um yeah. It doesn't the the feedlots will never have the sex appeal of the ranches. They just won't. But if you nope. if you're just committed to being mounted, I mean that's a pretty good gig. You know it really is. Yeah. Um, so and that, the day that's another topic we ought to we ought to 
add to our our debate deal is just uh is it is it the cowboy or is it the is it the rancher you know mm-hmm. um and then you we can do the feedlot versus the you know versus the outside job and is you know is is feed feedlot still cowboying because i i would counter that it is because absolutely for, for all the for all the glamour that the, the outside guy gets um that motherfucker spends a lot of time in the in the pickup in the winter <laughs> well and <laughs> so, you know it's kind of funny because as far as doing just like on paper cowboy stuff like this high risk yard we took on i mean exclusively high risk cattle at this yard and uh we did, I mean, you know, it's not uncommon to rope five or six head a day. You sort constantly. I mean, that's every time you go in somewhere, you're sorting, you're working your horses. As far as just cowboy stuff, like what cow in the job description is, I did a lot more of that kind of stuff in these feed yards um, than I did on a lot, a lot of these ranches. You're just trotting. And I don't mean that as an insult. I mean, just for a lot of the day, you're trying mm-hmm. to get somewhere you know what I mean, horseback. Um, but I mean, then, you know, I mean, it, I don't know. I, I've, I've heard the debate of feedlotting is not cowboying and I disagree wholeheartedly. I, I do too. Yeah. Like, like there, there is nothing to get your blood pumping and going by having 3000 head of cattle ship by 6am. Mm-hmm. Like that, there is something to that. When you get done like that, you're just like, whoo. Let's go another eight hours. Let's fucking go, boys. And I, you know, I tell people it's like the roping in a feedlot deal. If you want to talk about learning to rope and not stir shit up, mm-hmm. uh, a feedlot is a great place to do it because you normally you'll get one loop. I mean, you'll get that one sneaky shot yeah. to where they don't know they they haven't smelt the rat yet. Um, and if you don't get that shot, you're your biggest goal then is don't let him back into this water calves and stir shit up horribly. I mean, it, yeah, uh, it, it, you do have to learn a different type of roping in those yards yeah. just in the name of you don't, I mean, you know, I, I, we took care of a lot of cattle on wheat and it's easier because you can peel them out, drive them off a ways. And you've got, you know, even if it's only a you know couple hundred acre wheat field, you still have a lot of room to keep him out of that bunch of cattle, and you just mm-hmm. don't have that luxury in a feed yard. I mean, you, you know, they're going to get back if you don't make your shots count. So, yeah, as far as that goes, I would tell anybody if you're really into like the, the you know, the low stress roping, um, a feedlot's a great place to practice it, just because you can absolutely. I mean, you can have shit bouncing off the rails quicker than you'd believe if you oh, rope like this. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I've given well, lots and, of and you, got, you got no no space to line them out. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you're not there in that second jump, just pull up because otherwise yeah, you're going to blast them through the bunk. That's reset. I mean, it, you know, yeah. we don't. This is this cannot. And I've I've handed out a lot of ass chewings to a lot of guys who were pretty good help. I mean, really, and it's not. I'm not sucking my own dick, but just I mean, you got to learn to not stir this shit up when you're uh-huh. roping shit. Yeah, and, and see, I I've yeah. got my the backhand's my my best loop nowadays mm-hmm. because that that's I I just push them into the corner, get them coming across this way and just whap. It's, yeah, it's the easiest way, and then you know, and it's perfect. It's it also teaches your horse to face up because you got them facing right here, 
by the time you're throwing that loop, you're they're right over here. And then you go to the horn and it's just going to, they're naturally, as you, as you go to the horn, it's going to teach them to face up. And by the time that the rope hits, they're facing them. And I, you know, and so the way I kind of ran stuff, and I don't mean this as if anybody that worked with me, don't take this as an insult. I did feedlots are notorious for guys shooting the shit and you get to a hospital Mm -hmm. and you know, we're going to burn an hour and that drives me up the cock sucking wall. I'm like, just, we, I mean, the best time to get through these cattle is right now. Mm. Uh, especially during the summer, you ain't, you're not seeing shit at two o'clock in the afternoon when everything no, has its fuck no. So get through the fuckers. Um, so like on my section where I ran, I, I would tell everybody break apart. I mean, you ride this alley, you ride this alley. If you get your ass in a crack, call that other guy over. But for the most part, I expect guys to be able to pull alone and rope alone, you know, and it, yeah. um, something else we did a lot of in this yard is, uh, you got to learn to rope by yourself and that sounds easy enough, but you're removing these cattle from the pins. Um, so you're doing a ton of handling your slack, not getting your horse in a wreck, opening gate latches, pulling them out of the gate and not releasing 300 head of dairy crosses because they're stupid as a bag of shit. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? You're trying to slide them out of a crack this big just, you know, to prevent disaster. And um, also not fray the shit out of your rope. Yeah, and I, that was the next point was, and not hang your rope on something so you go from a four-strand to a two-strand, leaving the uh, fucking pin. Yeah, um, and if you're, if you're running a cotton – you just just go ahead and cut that rope because it ain't worth a fuck anymore. Yeah, because Jorge, who was running the welder, does not have a grinder with him, so he left that yeah. fucker. And uh, but yeah, know, those those cotton ropes are six strand, and I know you only frayed one of them, but just go ahead and cut it because that yeah. that cocks just cut yeah. it right there, tie you a new <laughs> Honda, but because that that is compromised. But yeah, I, but it uh, as far as like learning to do that stuff by yourself and be handy at it, um, there is a lot. There is a lot of shit you're gonna get to do in those feedlots that you're not gonna do outside, and it it will it will translate to outside as far as learning to get that shit done in yeah. a timely manner, not make a wreck out of it. Because I don't, I never tell guys you know slow is smooth, smooth is fast. I hear that all the fucking time now, and I'm like. Just as if I don't care if you go slow, but at the same time, this isn't a timed event. But I do have expectations of time. I mean, if I if you're in the same fucking pen, thirty minutes after I saw you in that pen, they're better. I mean, you need to have a reason. You know what I mean? It's like, man. I mean, we need to be getting through this shit. So you cannot take all fucking day. Um, mm-hmm. and that is something I've like for. We we're talking about the buckaroos and cow punchers. Most buckaroos I worked with that were good did not give you that clinician line of shit of, you know, oh, it takes as long as it takes. Because yeah. if you work for a living, it does not take as long as it takes. You need mm-hmm. to be getting your shit done. Um, I've never worked for people who are like, oh, you know, if that, you know, hell, if it takes all day to do it, it takes all day. Normally it's like, hey, um, whether you're branding or weaning or whatever, it's like all of this is affecting how these cattle do. Um, same way in a feedlot, the longer they yeah. stand, the longer they're sick, the longer till they get medicine or the hotter they get, they can't fight for feed. And this whole thing is about how they're converting this feed. Um, you got to get your shit done. I mean, that is a good standard to a good help. If you're good at yeah. it, 
you can do it quickly and not make a wreck out of it. So yes, yeah, smooth is fast. Do not it does not take as long as it takes. This is a job. I mean, right. I have well, there are expectations. Well, and also, like no one, no one to cut your losses. Like, oh yeah. If if you miss on the third loop and that sucker has still got his tail up and running away from you, he's probably not that fucking sick. I'm I'm also a huge preacher of that. Of if it comes down to you know a wreck or getting him or you know a wreck to get him out or leave him alone, just leave the bastard. Hell, if he's if he hasn't laid down by now, we'll get him tomorrow. Um, right. But we've done run you know we've ran three pounds off of him trying to do this shit. He might be, but he'll probably be all right because he's out well, running you. It, well, and then again, on these little high-risk bastards, if a guy – because we get in a lot of those calves at like mm. 250, 300, you know, um, a guy is – and it's because you're trying to do good. But you'll have guys that end up pulling – you know, if they're riding 12,000 head a day – some of these guys would end up with 120 head of pools. Um, mm. And I finally had to, we, we, me and that other guy had to have kind of the big speech of, I appreciate the heavy pools. You're trying to do a good job. Um, stop. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, because when you go into a pen, some of these guys were literally pulling 30 head out of a pen. But if you take the first one you pulled, and you compare them to the last one you pulled, you're like, well, that last one looks damn good. It's like, yeah, because that's a sliding ratio. Yeah. I love to catch cattle on feed because it's like those that aren't up there and have their heads down, yeah, they got to come out. Um, those yeah. that you knocked off the bunk because he might be sick, leave that little cocksucker up there to eat. Uh, if he's sick, you'll see him tomorrow. He's still eating, right. so he's probably okay. I see, and that's and, – and where we uh... – you know, like our whole yard, except for a handful of, and a, and literal, I guess it's like two handfuls. We like just local guys feeding out mm -hmm. uh, steers. Mm -hmm. Outside of that, everything's essentially limit fed. Yep. So, mm -hmm. like they, everything looks like shit until they get feed in their belly. Yeah, until and they're so, full. So they and they always feed the the dairy ration first because mm -hmm. the breeders got to get going because yep. their job takes longer than ours does, mm -hmm. which is fine. Uh, but you get a bunch of cowboys itching to go at daylight, and we're like, well, we're not gonna have feed out for another couple hours. So like, drink your coffee, like brush your horse for good, you know, yep. like just get everything good, you know. We don't have to make busy work, but like let's bullshit for a minute, and then you know if. Like, it's starting to feel like ah, we should get going. All right, let's go make a lap around the yard, see if there's any strays out. But, like, there's no need to get into the pens until there's feed in front of them because Dude. you can't tell the difference between a sick one and a hungry one on limit ration. Those fucking large corporate yards are the worst about, you know, you leave the barn at this time. And it has nothing yeah. to do with the cat. Well, what? Oh, shit, I know them. Uh, the guys who kind of started Cactus, there's Paul and Mark Engler. Engler, yeah. Engler. And everybody would talk about, oh, boy, if he was in the office standing shit, he'd grab a broom. Yeah. I, I always story. I don't know how many fucking times. Dude, and, and like I said, I grew up in the Panhandle and all that, and I've been on their ranches that they own. Has anybody shit. ever stopped to think maybe that dude was on Coke? <laughs> I've got some story. I've got relatives that are – pretty deep in cactus so i i can't share all of them but i can tell you 
I've well, got we'll some talk about stuff. it off air. We'll I've got some about stories about some parties and fuckers through. But anyway, I, I I've been told that story, and like from my perspective on the horseback side of things, I know this is a, I. You don't want lazy guys. I tell people like busy work. If you come to me for a job, and I'm like, well, what are your qualifications? And they're like, dude, I'll work sun up to sundown. And I'm like, then you're worth ten bucks an hour. Yeah. Great. You know what I mean? Oh, great. You're a hard work. Are you productive? Can you work alone? Do you see sick cattle? Mm-hmm. If you do all those things, I don't give a sh- If you're kind of on the lazy side, but your death loss is great, your cattle are clean, there's not briskets in every pen because you're keeping our railers cleaned out. Like, I-, I don't give a fuck if you're a super duper hard worker and I don't stand still. I'll push a broom and I'm like, I, I don't give a fuck about any of that. You know what I mean? I want yeah. you to be productive. I don't give a shit about busy work and there are certain times like you said where being in those cattle that's the opportune moment being in on the daylight a lot of times is completely fucking counterproductive no like gathering at daylight makes sense on ranches absolutely yeah being in your cattle at at daylight on on a feedlot is dumb you're catching them at their worst moment of the day you know, even on like these large yearling outfits, these ranches I worked on, um, a lot of times I wouldn't get a super early start because you would kind of figure out when all those cattle are headed to water. Um, yep. And if you would just kind of time it to where you could, they were all headed to the gathering ground anyway, um, saved you a shit ton in tires and gas. You know what I mean? It, I mean, I never did. I'm all about, you know, be up early when you need to be. And I'm kind of an early riser, but, uh, that stuff doesn't translate universally across sick cattle. And that is something you have, I ha- like, especially that corporate stupid fuck mindset those guys have. You can't beat it out of them. You just can't, mm-hmm. you know, well, I mean, we're paying you, so you need to be here at 430. And yeah. like, I worked at a job where they wanted you to stay, that they wanted everyone there at 430. But that even in the winter, when the sun's not up till like seven back home, 730, um, she'd sit there and drink fucking coffee. Um, and I told, I was like, this is the dumbest shit. Uh, why do y'all care if guys are here at four fucking 30? Well, that's what time work starts. I'm like, if you want to pay everybody to drink coffee and nap for two and a half hours, that's your fucking prerogative. Um, it's dumb. It, it, it has no mm-hmm. bearing on hard work. That's just some corporate fucking policy for the mill guys. Yeah, it was, um, it, I was like that at cactus where like, I told my boss, I was like, the sun doesn't come up till 7.30 this time of year. 7.30. Mm-hmm. So I, I can I literally cannot do my job with any effectiveness until about 7.45 at yeah. the very earliest. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's as early as we can go. Yeah. Right. So if you want me here at 6.30, all I'm doing is drinking coffee. I'm just going to drink coffee at home. Yeah, I don't need to drink your coffee. So so I'm going to drink my own coffee at home. And and he's like, fine, but don't be here any later than 7.30. Fine. That's good. But but (sighs) I can't, I cannot, literally can't even, I'm not going to make my horse stand for an extra two hours saddled while I'm waiting on the fucking sun to come up. But like now here, like, 
it's you know I don't know it's 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 later in in the morning before we get started but so like, yeah I'll sweep the barn I'll uh like now we, like we got a big big rain and snow here the other day and so mm -hmm. then it froze over so like I'll, I'll hop on the tractor and 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 blade some roads a little bit um while i'm waiting but now like it's treacherous to take a horse out first thing yeah. in the morning too so i'm gonna wait till it thaws out a little bit so like, uh, yeah I'll, I'll just i'll get my headphones I'll, I'll take these headphones to work and i'll get on the tractor and i'll uh i'll scrape some feed alleys until it starts uh still warming up you know and then and i, I had have to worry about a crippled horse and another big shitty eye. So last year we got a hell of a blizzard here. And I mean, it was wind was blowing about 40 miles an hour. And I, I'm not did joking. You, did you catch any of this shit this year? A, a little. I mean, the wind was worse in the snow. The further east you got, the worst it got. Um, I was saying Nebraska got. Uh, yeah, they got hammered, I think. Yeah, I was, I was trying to think of a good term for, for it. But they, yeah, they, they got a, yeah, they got hit pretty hard. Like Fort Morgan got it pretty good. Mm. Um, Kersey got a little bit, and then by Greeley, it was just wind. I mean, it, it dumped a little, but not much. It, it wasn't what, treacherous or anything. What's what did Lyman look like? I bet. <clears throat> uh, I got a buddy down there. I'm not sure. I, I really I don't know what Lyman got. I'd have to. I'd ha I know like uh, I know like just uh, like Boy City South got a shit ton of rain and it got cold, but it didn't snow much. Sleeted mm. a little bit. Um, they're back home. Dad said they got a little sleet and rain, but it never did get cold. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, so like last year, there was a big blizzard blew through here. And I, you literally, I mean, about three foot in front of your horse's nose is what we could see. Well, the manager come up and was like, why aren't you guys horseback? I was like, I, I will get horseback, but for what? To call in deads? And he was like, well, what if there's sick calves out there? It's like, they're dead. Um, if they're that sick, they're not, they're not walking to the hospital and Batril does not cure hypothermia. You know what I mean? Like they're dead. I, but he threw a big shitty. So I told all my guys, I said, you know what? I said, fuck the big cattle, do your little circle through those little calves, blow them out of the corner to see what they've stopped to death. Just get the, I mean, get done. So we got done. The whole yard was done by an hour, hour and a half. I mean, this guy's just throwing gates because he was like, keep them out of the corners. Well, yeah, right through, blow them out of the corners. As soon as you leave, they're all headed to the corner again. Right you know? Back. And so he got mad. He's like, well, you know, they're still shit wadded up. And I was like, you know, this is an idiot fucking errand. I mean, if you want to, you can place guys out there with feed sacks to shake them out of that corner. But it's a, it's a blizzard. I mean, you're not – this is one of those situations where – medicine is not going to remedy it and all we're asking for is for a horse to go down and a guy to get hurt like this is dumb don't do this shit see um, this is where like when you go back to the whole religion thing you're just like this is bigger than i am i cannot no. do anything here no like, uh, this is not this is not sick cattle stuff this is an act of god and we cannot uh, nothing we do today will fix what's going to happen tomorrow nothing no, like you can, you can, uh, you can do an after action report or whatever they call it in the military. Mm -hmm. And, but at the end of the day, you're just like, we were overwhelmed by nature. Yeah. At the, um, at the end of the day, it's like, uh, we didn't have, there's no plan you could make because nature just does what it does. 
Yeah, and like you know, and I feel like a jackass looking at this crew of cowboys staring at you. Like, are you really going to uh, make us? And it's like, no. I mean, I, you know, honestly, just I mean, stay warm, do a circle, go. Like th- this is this is not this is manager. This is purely corporate shit. Um, right. It's one of those just like I, no, I don't believe in this, but also <laughs> like i'm not going home to my wife in this and telling her that i'm i'm fired because they asked me to go do something so it's like hey let's like you have my back i got your back let's go make a show of this mm-hmm. and, and then come back in here and because guess what if they're not he, he's not going to fire all of us so yeah I mean, he, he's got to have us you know what i mean if we yeah. do this as a unit we're okay um yeah i just can't have a chicken shit in a bunch you know but uh see this is uh this is another topic we should talk about is, uh, is unions. Like, you know, like I, I know we're all, everybody's against unions, but like, man, you look at those union jobs and you're like, those guys kind of got it fucking made. They had to you go know, through some shit to get there though. I, but I, you know, I've actually been a big preacher of the dumbest thing Cowboys ever did was we didn't realize the value in unionizing. Um, mm-hmm. And I know most guys are pretty red, pretty right wing. So you hear union and you immediately just, oh, what the, but you know, if you Mm -hmm. cowboys have essentially the only power you have is to quit. Uh, That's it. You don't swing any more dick than I'm, I'm loading my shit and I'm out of here. I mean, that's it. Um, On the ranches, I can see where it would have been difficult. The feed yards, it could have started there for the unionizing. I think so. These some of these new laws Colorado's putting in as far as uh if you work they they jerk the ag exemption so right now if you work over a it's sixty hours in a work week you are due overtime. I don't know if I'm you know any of this. Um, oh fuck, I'm I'm like that's that's a legitimate law. Uh, you know what I mean? I mean everyone's like oh god, but on ranches you'll do thirteen hour days. It's like and you should be paid for that. Right. Uh, I don't I don't have any problem getting paid for that shit. I, uh, nobody's asking for welfare. They're asking for wages for job done. You know what I mean? It's right. like, this is not a favor. Um, if I worked 70 fucking hours this week, yeah, I'm probably entitled <clears throat> to a little more compensation. Um, but <clears throat> Colorado, if a guy, I, I really do think if the stage is being set for unionized Cowboys, some of these yards with these new laws could be some of the, some of the birthing pains of it um, as time goes on, if if Cowboys are smart enough to do it. Um, because jerking that ag exemption doesn't give a lot of these big yards and big ranches. And whenever I say ranches, I am not typically hammering on the mom and pop deals. I've got a lot of sympathy for these guys that are operating on granddaddy's land and just trying to make a living. I'm talking about these guys who are worth $4 billion um, mm-hmm. and still paying their Cowboys 1800 a month, you know what I mean, um, and will work you like an absolute slave dog. Um, well, also because they could uh, they could inflate their numbers by mm-hmm. paying you more and, and get more of a tax break, but they're still such a, uh, a fucking capitalist that there's That's like, nope. Like, you know, fu- I mean, God, I'll be damned if, you know, there's no better feeling than they just hired a carpenter and paid him 120 an hour to fix your house. 
and you haven't right. gotten a raise in three years. You know, like it's there, like, there's like, such a big difference between the crying Starbucks barista that uh, is bitching about unionization now mm -hmm. versus the coal miner in fucking West Virginia in the 1890. Yeah, killing 12-year-olds and shit in those mines, you know, yeah, like know, there was... Well, and then you had the Pinkertons bringing in fucking machine guns to, to make oh, sure so, they don't strike. Yeah, what was that, Matt? That happened in Colorado, didn't it? Um, yeah, um, uh, Ludlow. There you go, the Ludlow Massacre, yeah. Yeah, and, and it wasn't yeah. Pinkertons, but it was the other, it was the oh. other version of the Pinkertons that they yeah. were... Uh, they were, they were actually more brutal than the Pinkertons. That's why they, the Pinkertons they stuck, it, stuck around. Yeah, it was either Gatlings or Spud guns they brought in and literally shot gun, up yeah. the mining camp. Yeah, and like they literally shot up the mining camp. Um, yeah, that was the Colorado yeah. National Guard at the behest of the mining company. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? You know, but the, no, you're absolutely right. Like the direction the unions have taken has gotten a little ridiculous. I'm not, it, I'm it's not, hard to, it's hard to support them, but also it's hard to deny the power they have. And that is my point is it's not, I'm not talking about, you know, devaluing the job with the unions. I'm talking about fair wages for fair labor. I mean, you know what I mean? Right. That's all that's being discussed is representation. I mean, the only way you're going to compete with JBS, Five Rivers, Cactus, you know, um, with these big um, – they're beef syndicates at the yard level, the ranch mm -hmm. level, every fucking level. They're, yep. they're monopolies and they're syndicates. The yep. only way the average cowboy employee of theirs is going to ever have leverage is with the union. Right. Um, I think so too. <laughs> and – uh excuse me as time goes on those guys are going to get bigger um mm -hmm. your your labor is going to get further devalued by these massive companies um so learning cowboys figuring out how to swing their dicks a little bit is going to be important in the next 20 years i think so um, too i i really yeah. i really think so and we'll uh well we'll kind of wrap up the main main deal we'll look you got a, a little extra time we'll we'll do a, a patreon only oh um, i got all the time in the world dude it's only 11 here so we're, we're cooking perfect. normally it's all right, we're, we're good but we'll yeah. uh we'll kind of and we'll 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 this should probably also be one of the top topics of the the cowboy debate series is is uh union versus not and and i i i 100 percent and and i'm like I, I live in Nevada, which is a big union state, but it's also a right to work state, which I I'm I'm all in favor for. I don't think anybody should be co coerced into to joining a union. But sure. my my father in law is like he's one of the biggest Trump guys you've ever met, and, mm -hmm. and he's just like a classic Trump guy. And you go back into his his background. He he worked an apprenticeship in the sheet metal union. Became a sheet, uh, be, became a union guy, became a like, you know, like, um, became a journeyman. And mm -hmm. like, that's mm -hmm. an important process. Like, you don't have, like, you don't really have that, that, uh, like that apprenticeship deal anymore. It's all, it's all just like shitty jobs or like, you know, like the manager trainee is a, essentially your, your apprenticeship, but like, you're, you're beholden to the company and not and not to like the guy that's teaching you. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, where like the union, like you have, it's, it's, you know, you notice how all these unions are the brotherhood of whatever, like the, you know, the, the United workers of the world or whatever. It's, it's all, it's, it's all Marxist rhetoric, but it also, it's, it's that, that camaraderie that we all, we all love and we all know we all want. Um, and it's a, yeah, I, I agree. Like, and that's something that gets brought up a lot is unionism is Marxism um, in capitalist form, essentially, nobody is proposing basically taking the product and dispersing it evenly amongst the employees. Like that is not what anybody I've met is proposing. You know what I mean? It is simply, um, just having some sort of recourse with your employer. A lot of these, you know, feedlots and ranches we bitch about because of how poorly they're managed and operated. Mm -hmm. Um, could absolutely be taken to task for their bullshit um, yeah. if if we unionize like there it <clears throat> nobody is pitching for like you said the Starbucks trying barista uh, that's not what I'm shooting for what I'm shooting for is like I mean workers rights and having some sort of backboard for these companies to be forced to bounce off of when it comes to the type of employees they want to get a hold of. Mm. Right. Well, and it's, um, I mean, that, that was kind of the, the overall deal was like basic human dignity was, was kind of what the, the original labor movement here in the U S was because it was capitalism run amok. And, but and it was also crony capitalism. So, I mean, it's like capitalism run amok turns into crony capitalism because you find whoever has power and you wield it in your favor. Yep. And, and the, the, the union is like the first line of defense against that because it's the workers actually being able and, and having the legal power that say, fuck you. No, we're going on strike. Mm -hmm. And and so like this railroad deal right now, like, and, and the Republicans are getting blasted for, for not standing with the workers and they should, these railroad companies are making billions of dollars of profit. And this is a federal employees union, by the way, because these are all federally uh, run railroads. So it's not like your your uh, typical union where they can they can um, they can call a strike and it's 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 ongoing until it's resolved. No, these are these are federal federally regulated deals. So at some point, Congress will step in and say, no, this is the deal you have to take. They're asking for seven paid sick days a year which is completely reasonable that's not right i mean that's like it's, if you're if you're looking from our standpoint you're like i mean that's kind of a lot of sick days but either way i mean it's just like they're they're asking for like specifically designated sick days mm-hmm. not not paid time off which they have to accrue like they have to work there for so long before yeah, to get PTO. Like, every other, like every other job mm-hmm. And so they're asking for specific sick, sick days. And yeah, why the fuck would you stand with Burlington Northern and Santa Fe as opposed to the guy that's just like trying to feed his kid? Yeah, fuck, yeah. fuck that corporation. Give him some sick yeah. days. And that's, that. that's kind of where I stand on it too is like, you know, if you did like the amalgamation of if the entire company took mm-hmm. their seven sick days, um, I'm going to guess you would see a 0% drop in productivity and a 0% drop in profitability. 
Right. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, if everybody in the company throughout the year, the entire calendar year, took all seven of their sick days, um, it's not going. It's it's not going to affect how you operate. Like, it's not right. fucking obscene. I mean, Jesus Christ. Um, well, he's like, he's not asking for, um, you know, a ten thousand dollar raise. No, like that. That's their big sticking point is to have to paid sick leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. It's like, that sounds pretty fucking reasonable in today's day and age. Like, that shouldn't have to go to Congress. There, There's a reason why three different unions vetoed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and, like, like that's the power of the union right there, though, is, like, they can say, no, no, we're not doing that. Fuck you. Yeah, and I, that's... And- I mean, I'm sure that we're going to be heavily disagreed with on this side of things, but... I do wish Cowboys would listen to it a little more. Um, like I said, I, I think the feedlots is a good baseline for guys to start. Yeah. And the well, big... Like, you, you don't want to go... Like you said, you don't want to go put your... Uh, like your local mom and pop guy that 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 pays well, pays what they can. You don't want to put them out of business. No, like it shouldn't apply to them. But like if, if, you, if you got a, a yard with 100 employees, like... I don't know. Let them have a vote. See if they want to be a union yard, you know? I, I agree. I mean, put a baseline on it. Um, mm-hmm. That's the like, whole thing. I'm, to become a union thing, you got to – it's got to be voted on too, so. Well, and I've got – you know, I've got a good buddy that worked for JBS Five Rivers. Um, mm-hmm. They liquidated at the yard he's at. Um, they liquidated all of their American Cowboys – um, because they figured out it was so much cheaper to use guys out of Sonora on visas that they sponsored, bring of them course. up, pay. And uh, I t- I've heard guys like, you know, well, I mean, if you know, they, they, they those guys bitch less and they're more grateful and whatever. I'm like, I don't care how you spin it. Um, in my opinion, that should absolutely be illegal as shit. Um, yeah, it, it definitely should be. Like, they're – I and I've got a I've got a soft spot for for a lot of the illegal guys because they yeah, they, come and, they they come they come and work but they're mm-hmm. like when, when these big companies uh just make a ploy like that because um I, I guarantee you JBS contributes to the U.S. Chamber of Commerce um which is one of the biggest lobbying organizations to to the federal government that mm-hmm. hardly gets mentioned mm-hmm. but if U.S. Chamber of Commerce says no. Um, typically a bill doesn't get passed, and so yep. like all this, uh, all this immigration stuff, U.S. Chamber of Commerce typically doesn't uh, sign on to it because they like that cheap labor a lot. And, and like you know, and I'm with you. I have nothing against the guys. I've shared a lot of bunkhouses with a lot of these immigrants. It's not an anti-immigration spill I'm giving. Um, liquidating citizens' jobs to develop your already grotesque profit margins, I do have yeah. a problem. Um, right. And, uh, and which I'm very biased because it really doesn't matter. Um, I'm not handing out sympathy to five rivers. I'm just not, you know what I mean? I'm like, you're not yeah. getting mine. Same with cactus. It's like you assholes knocked down. I don't know. You're a publicly traded corporation. You make freakish mm-hmm. amounts of profit. Um, if you're hunting sympathy, I'm not the guy for it. You know what I mean? Right. Like that's, that's like when uh, when that old boy got sentenced to to prison for for uh, cheating Tyson out of a bunch mm-hmm. of money. You're just like, ah, I was kind of rooting for him. 
Yeah, I know. I'm with you. You know, like I said, like bully for this guy. Fuck Tyson, you know. Oh, yeah. And I've got a good buddy who's in one of the Tyson plants that was caught up in the lawsuit uh, for basically fixing cattle markets. And I was, I said, did you know about that? And he said, no, and I'm not. He's not at that level, you know what I mean? But he is yeah. pretty high up. And I said, you know, what are the odds they do it again? He said, uh, wait a couple of months. He said, um, you're about to see it again. Um, and I say that just for anybody listening, this is not insider info really, but uh, what you should be watching for is Tyson is about to crater the their kill floor um, and the amount of cattle they're killing. Um, because the feeder market is too hot right now and don't worry, they're going to put it out. And like I said, they're going to make sure they knock that down to somewhere. They make a very healthy profit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, um and no one will do shit about it. So anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll end on this note. We, we're looking for, I, I think we go two and two, we go two buckaroos, two punchers. And we'll we'll come up with the official resolution, but the 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 topic's gonna be Buckaroo versus Cowboy. Me and Zach will moderate, and uh, I think this would be a fun fun deal. Yeah, you want to discuss that a little on the Patreon here in just a second? We can kind of yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. So we'll uh, we'll uh, and and I'll put out a clip just for like what we decide on rules and whatnot. Great, but um. Yeah, that's that's what we'll do. So in the meantime, we'll come back. Uh, if you're a Patreon subscriber, patreon.com slash burning daylight. Come back and, uh, and and pay attention. And if not, I'll put out a clip and then come subscribe to Patreon. So um, anyway, Zach Sargent, appreciate you. Move your ass. We're burning daylight.
All right. We're back. Still here. <clears throat> All right. I think I think we do kind of a hybrid style debate. I think the Oxford rules are pretty good where you have a you have a set proposal or the um, what do they call it? The conclusion or whatever. Uh, resolution. I'll be, I'll be Googling some of these so I can keep up here. Okay. So yeah. you have a resolution. So it's like, uh, you know, the resolution, be it that uh, the buckaroo tradition is superior to the puncher or vice versa or whatever. Sure. <laughs> and so you have the two people that, that take the, the affirmative, two people that take the, the negative. And, um, yeah, and so then you have an opening statement in which uh, is uninterrupted time. And you okay. can address um, the other side, but you you really make you're laying out your case. It's it's, it's a lot like a like, lot like a you know, a legal trial. Right. Yeah, so you get your opening statement and then <clears throat> you have uh, you have the um, like the cross examination, so everybody gets their time, and then there's a rebuttal, and mm -hmm. uh, and there there's both a, a set amount of time, but there's a lot more leeway for some back and forth, which I is you know that that's the part that's going to be fun. Mm -hmm. And then you have a question and answer from the audience. <clears throat> so, um, how we set that up, I'm not quite for sure i think we'll probably do you know we'll have to do something on on social media for that i was about well and because you know the times are always so weird when we're trying to do these podcasts um a lot of guys are working so it's got to be late but what if you did just like a run up to it for a week or whatever where if you have any questions or comments for the upcoming debate post them in this comment thread and then we can kind of Cull through the good ones. Um, some are going to be stupid, but uh, kind of cull through the good ones maybe, and that way everyone has kind of their chance to pitch those questions because, you know, the live is always tough just because a lot like help. A lot of guys are in bed already, you know. Right, exactly. So what I think we can do is, like, when we decide on who we want to, like, like we we can kind of pick who we want to to be on it once we get that lined out, we can do like one side does a podcast with us and lays out why punch, you know, the cow puncher method is the best method. Then we'll do another one with uh, the buckaroo side. And then that, so that way they, we can, we can set up like, uh, we can do a poll beforehand. Like who has the, you know, who has the best take here? Sure. And then, and then, then, then it comes to the, to the debate, and then we have them, you know. Then we we do the poll afterward. Who won? And 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 then yeah, then we can do a recap episode. But like, I don't know. I, I think I think this thing could be pretty fun. I, I do too. I you know I want to get. <clears throat> I mean, this isn't an insult to anybody, but I mean, preferably guys who are fairly open minded. You know what I mean, and fairly well spoken. I mean, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. You don't just want the fuck you just because, you know, type guys just because they don't. I'm not sure they're going to have a lot of good points to usher to the table, essentially. No, um, and, and, you know, like there's there's an argument for having like a Trump in the debate. We're just like, nope, you're wrong. 
either. You know, like there's there's some comedic value to that. But what did you learn about um about the Trump Hillary debates or the Trump Biden debates? You just like you didn't really learn anything there. Yeah, I would like to, I'd like the both sides to make their cases and then to argue passionately uh, against the other side. Yep. And then at the end of the day, still be able to to drink a beer and swap cowboy stories. Yeah. You know, um, that that's that's the end goal. So what number of questions? Because obviously we're going to, <clears throat> you know, to kind of pitch these to make people defend their points. I assume we're going to have to come up with kind of some agreed upon questions for each side, make them defend that point, make this side defend that point. Is that correct? Or are we not going, what are you thinking there? I think so. I, so I think we would have to go horsemanship. Um, it's going to be one. number one. Yeah. Great um, one. work ethic. Cause yep. there, there's always that, always the deals like, well, yeah, those, uh, those Californians have a good time heading and healing, but they don't get started till fucking noon. Right. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So I think horsemanship worth that work ethic. Um, we'll add style points in which the Buckaroos are going to win. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. <laughs> the Buckaroos will win that one. Which, and I know that that debate will go to, I mean, type of country, you know what I mean, it, where it always mm-hmm. goes, well, you guys work in big flats, sagebrush flats, and we don't, and it's going to be. I think well, I think flat. that's going to be the tiebreaker question is like, um, because there there are, there is valid arguments on both sides as to who is the classier uh, looking cow, cow puncher, cow sure, puncher. And I, you know, it's. It's gonna be the old utilitarian versus, you know what I mean? I mean, use it, it, it's. I know what points will be made, and they're both. What's going to decide it is how well each side actually defends it, because both That's sides them. are winnable uh, from that perspective. Um, and I could argue both sides. That's the thing. Oh, is like I could, I could argue both sides, and and I have before, just um, just because I like to argue, but sure. This is a cool thing about debates is like, like I, I want people to come with uh, loaded for bear, you know, like I, I want them, I want them to, to, to be able to defend their, their side and know the other point of view, not, not just defend their side, but know the other point of view and, and I know why your horseman, point of view is better. The horsemanship one is going to be interesting because I would say a lot of the clinicians are of the buckaroo start or you know tradition mm-hmm. um and they kind of have well you know they've got the hakima to freno kind of reputation um mm-hmm. but the other side is and you can't really debate it as far as the performance horse industry for the most part is cow puncher dominated in marine oh, yeah. kind of tradition so that'll be kind of that'll be interesting to kind of hear every side of that too of you know um reputation versus buckles i guess would probably be the way to put or you know even like a lot of the horse programs that are going to come to mind for a lot of people will probably be southern i mean that's just the tree you know the sixes the tongue river some of those yep. got now you know you've got the wagon hound and a lot of those there's good northern ranches you know horse programs but a lot of the first ones that are going to pop up are going to be southern but the buckaroo kind of dominates in the popular sphere of the classical horsemen, you know, so that, that'll be kind of a fun point of, you know, which one actually deserves it. Um, So that, I like that one, the work ethic one, 
I don't see because it's tough because I think it's the same way. It's however you debate it. Um, because the Southern guys will say, you know, well, hell, you know, like, you know, we, you know, drives were dropped off before the sun and we're at them before it. You know I mean? When that sun peaks, you know, by God, we're hard charging them. Gets hot, so we're going fast and tearing it up. And you yeah. sons of bitches are, you know, y'all are crawling around trying to get a hundred head branded. Then there's the counterpoint of, uh, you know, the cow punchers are going to be pretty guilty in the winter of, you know, we get a lot of coyote shooting time. You know what I mean? Like I said, there's a, mm. there's a lot of not shit going on in the winter. Um, whereas a lot of those northern ranches, it's a lot more labor. And I mean, you, you're, you're flaking a lot more labor. waters and it's, you know, they're calving the heifers. You've ever still, been in your life. Yes. Um, and they're, they're still doing, a, you know, they're, a lot of those northern ranches still have pretty heavy heifer calving programs where a lot of the southern ranches don't. So that'll, I think it, the fall works and the spring works. The southern guys might have the advantage, but the other eight months out of the year, the northern guys might be out working them. It's kind of right. It's, which that'll all go back to the debate of the, you know, we work wild cattle and you guys work dairy cattle. And I think, like I said, it's just going to defend how fervently you can actually defend your points. Exactly <laughs> to who wins that one, too. All right. So, um, and then that's also going to, depend on who we got arguing this this stuff so i i think my gut goes like you pick the punchers and i'll pick the buckaroos is is kind of where my 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 gut feeling is okay um and and my my first thoughts on the buckaroo side would be somebody like scott hall mm. and I, it, I guarantee you it's not going to be anybody under 40. <laughs> most of my guys, well, and most of my guys won't be either. I mean, I'll go. Right. I, I mean, it's kind of what I figured. Like, yeah. Like I said, a 25 year old, I was, I was going to kick you off this show. Well, it, I would <laughs> love to hear them, but you know, the tendency to be heated and opinionated exists a little too hot. in right. the youth. So we'll, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll no, like, I, I'm, that's what the bull session's for. We don't want, we don't need yeah. them in a formal debate, you know? Yeah. And that's, and I want people who can kind of justify their points. Um, I think that's probably fine. And this is where it gets, and you're probably have some of the same tendencies. It's tough because I sit pretty center for most of my mm -hmm. shit. You know, when the cow puncher buckaroo debate kicks off, I'm always like, fuck guys, I'm not the guy to ask. Um, but I grew up in that sphere, so I know lots of guys who are pretty committed to their task. Um, yeah. So yeah, I I think that's fine. I can I can drum up the the punchers that I want repping, and if you'll get the buckaroos that you want, and you know I can keep. I I think if we kind of err towards the side of maturity, you can also. I think so. Well, and it, I think we'll have better luck with respecting the time limits as well as respecting the other's opinions and it not getting personal, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. You know, by the time you're 40, you don't give much of a shit what everybody else thinks about you. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I, oh, that's and I, I, just, I just had another brilliant idea. I think, Go let me know what, if you think it's, if it's worth a shit, but mm -hmm. we can do a, a Bronx stomping episode and have guest moderator, Dan Hartman. That'd be fun. I think, I think so. Cause then you got the, and, and I think we could do the same thing. Do a couple of buckaroo types versus a couple puncher types. In and the Bronx. 
Yeah, and Dan yeah. Hartman would be a great judge because he grew up puncher and now he rides uh now mm -hmm. he rides buckaroo style. Yeah. And everybody um, knows that fucker can 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 fork one out. Oh yeah. I mean whatever he suffered from, it's not fear. And uh No. Yeah, no. and like I said, he, he ain't got no he ain't got no back off. Um yeah, we could definitely do that. See, and that's where though things get tougher for me to start getting it because bronc riding typically is a young man's game. So I'm going to have mm -hmm. to kind of hold deep, but I can get, I, I know several older guys who may not crack it out anymore, but in their day had the ability. And like yeah. I said, so I can, I, it's cheating. If I line up boots, I guess I won't do that. But but we could also do like on that type of deal, you got to have a, a an old man and you got to have a, like the young stud. Sure. And, and um <clears throat> by the way, did you you just I'm I'm gonna we can jump right back to this. You knew Boots broke his leg, right? Yeah, I've been I've been talking so, so like on, on Patreon I, I when I when I record with when I, mm -hmm. I call boots I record it and I put it up on Patreon. Gotcha. But uh <clears throat> yeah, so I <clears throat> I've been talking to him like I haven't talked to him in a couple of weeks, but I was talking to him quite a bit. I don't know if he if he made it back to the ranch yet, but yeah, he broke his femur. And that's a tough break at ninety. Yeah, um, it is. Yeah, like he, yeah, and the uh, the hell of it was it, it broke about an inch above uh, his knee that was replaced. So yep. it was a it was a bad. It wasn't so much a bad break as it was a bad spot. <clears throat> yeah. and, and uh, I, I won't name drop him, but that one of the older guys I might use is a one of Boots O'Neill's grandsons that I'm really close with, um, who had the reputation of being double forked as hell and a good hand, um, and definitely kind of in that cowpuncher style. So he might be. There's a few guys I'm gonna kind of is that old, um, <clears throat> Jeremiah? No, not no. This is Chris, uh, his name's Chris. Uh, Chris okay. Only, okay. and. Uh, Chris is I, I he worked he punched cows for dad growing up and he's a nice. he's a he's a good egg uh, like I said but uh, I know I've met Boots I knew Boots's son decently well but he was older and he's passed um, then Chris I know really well and then Chris's Chris's son uh, Cutter I know really well they're they're nice. all from right there uh, so Boots grew up like at McLean and Clarendon and I'm from. Mm. McLean Clarendon area, so we yeah. kind of everybody, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, um, so I, I've got some guys. When when are you thinking time frame? Because obviously we got to kind of get this ironed out, you know. Um, far yeah, as I, that goes, I'm I'm thinking maybe mid January, like mid January. You know, yeah. like yeah, like like let's let's do. Uh, because not only do we got to find some people, but we uh, we got to give them time to prepare, yeah, and uh, and and whatnot. So like, I think mid January at the earliest. That's 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 great. So we can kind of brainstorm. You know, yeah, kind of got the broad topics. Um, we kind of we probably need to nail them down, kind of in question form, so it's specific. You know, right. And um, and I think I think from there maybe try to do one a month or one every other month, something like mm -hmm. that, because like you want them to be prepared. And, yeah. uh, and, and worthwhile. So like, like it's not going to be something you, you like, it's not going to be a weekly deal like that. that that's not going to happen. No, 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 no. But, no, no, no. no, we'll run out of material. If, if we can, 
Yeah, like we get one figured out. Like once we figure out who we're doing and and what the question is, like, um, yeah, and yeah, who's gonna be on there? Once we get that, then we're on to the next one. Cause yeah. once we get that laid out, we got our questions lined out. What what all what all we're gonna ask? Um, yeah, that, then it's on them. All we gotta do is moderate. Yeah, just and uh, no, I think that's great, and we can kind of. And I do like the idea of maybe do kind of an intro episode and we can, it doesn't have to be two hours, but just, you know, with each side kind of separately. So we can kind of, everybody understands what we're doing and kind of ease into it, you know? Right. And you can like, they can kind of lay, it's like their pre opening statement. Yeah, exactly. Kind of, you know, here's who we are, what we did, our background, and kind of where we're in. I, I like it. I think that's probably the best call to make sure rules are understood and everybody knows what direction we're headed. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. yeah, then the next time everybody's on together and, yeah, and then all we do is interject when, when need be. Yeah. Like, if they're, if, they're, if things are getting too unruly, be like, all right, gentlemen, answer the answer the question. Yeah. Or moving on. Yeah. You know. I like it. I think that's, <clears throat> I think that's probably the way to do it. So I, th- I, I think, think, I think the the best way to throw them off is like, gentlemen, how big is your dick? And like, it would be, I mean, pan to them and then just be like moving on. All right. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, resetting, <laughs> resetting stage. Um, and I, I, you know, I think the thing to kind of hammer on for some of this too is like respect time. I mean, I'll, you know, uh, yeah. I did wonder if we could figure out a timer to put either on screen everybody can see or behind so. you maybe, you know, yeah. just in the background, just something that everybody can actually see so that way you know when you're getting close, you know. Um, oh, yeah. So that, yeah, that's we probably can... something we should do. Yeah, I think so. We'll, uh, well, yeah, like I said, we can we can hammer out those details, but I I think – I think this could be really fun. Like, especially like if you get some guys that, that are thoughtful and that are like, really like, I, like I want to, I want to see Derek Mott in a mm-hmm. debate. I don't know on what topic yet, but like, like pick a topic. That guy will be able to debate it. Like he's got an opinion on everything. Sure. And I'm not, I'm not talking shit on him. No, but no. I, I, I don't know what you mean. I have some I, of the same I, tendencies. Um, yeah, but I, like I want to, I want to see him actually debate because he's also a very, he's a, he's a very like gruff, kind of in your face type of guy too. Mm-hmm. So like, like if he he's the type of guy in 1860 that could have got elected to president. Sure, yeah, <laughs> you know, because yeah. like, because he doesn't even have to make a whole lot of sense, but he's just like that assertive, and you mm-hmm. believe him. And he's also, I don't think, very tall either. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, we can take the low hanging fruit, but you, you know, the burden of proof is on you. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I said, I can make these irrational points, but if you can't counter them, then like I said, I win, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's, I, I'll say this we're either going to do a great favor for the working cowboy community or divide it horribly so what is it let's see (laughs) i I will guarantee it's gonna be entertaining as shit i think it's great i think it's like i said i think this is a great idea i think it's uh i think it's gonna be fun i think it could generate a lot of interest you know what i mean yeah i've always had that question for you as you kind of because you've had how many guys do you think you've interviewed now i mean on this podcast 
Oh, at least a hundred. Yeah, probably. I I don't know. I that's at least a hundred. I know that. So, and I don't. I mean, you could put me in this category, but I mean, just in general, I know you've had it to where you probably started interviewing a guy and realized somewhere in the interview, either this guy is an idiot or this guy is not. He's probably fucking worthless when it comes to punching cows or whatever. How do you kind of navigate that from your perspective when you realize like, cause you do most of the, like you and me have never met in person to date. You know what I mean? Like we, no, not, and not most of us yet. haven't. So, um, how, how is that? I can see how you pick guests, but how is it to navigate, let's say like 30 minutes into a podcast when you realize you've made a mistake? Like, what do you do? Just try to control well, the, the conversation direction and try to just kind of lead it or what? Yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, I, and I, I do better now. Um, cause at, at first I would just ask anybody and, <laughs> and there's times where like, I still do. I, I still have that. Cause I like, I don't know. Um, my wife told me like, it actually made me tear up one time when she was, she was like, uh, the, that Jason Boland song, Comal County blue. Um, I, I've got a harmless habit of being fine wherever I am. Yeah. And, uh, like I, that, that, that is kind of like some my life summed up like yeah, I, I'm I'm just pretty cool wherever I, I don't mm -hmm. I don't really care and I got I can talk to just about anybody but now like where you know I I, I kind of know where where I want my podcast to go and and like I still I still I think you were the one that told me is like it's kind of like an open mic and I still want to I, I still like that that description of it because like mm -hmm. i don't know exactly what's coming up because there, there's times where like I'll, I'll have somebody and they don't they don't come on and then i'm like i've been looking forward to having a conversation with them and then like something comes up and they're like fuck well now now what so then i'm like to the internet what 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 can i talk about now and so and you know and then like when when shit gets busy like you don't have near as much just bandwidth do to all to do all that so like i i try to do a lot better job at, at vetting and, and trying to talk to people before i i just like hey you want to be on a podcast but there's some people i i know like you, you just get that feeling uh from from social media um or, or what it, there, there's been times where I, like i've just met somebody in person but like hey I like this conversation we should we should record this you you ever you want to be on a podcast you know and um, I, I just, at, at this point, I like there, there's, there are, there are some people and I, I'm sorry, ladies, it's more ladies than, than guys that, uh, uh -oh. that kind of clam up and they're just not, they tend to tend to be not as interesting. Right. Um, but yeah, so then you try to carry the conversation and then like find a story of your own and, and hope, hope something hits and, Sometimes it just don't. And then you're like, all right, well, let's stretch it out to 45 minutes and we're good. And we'll buckle it. Yeah. And yeah. Now, would you say it's, it's, is it going, is the podcast, because I'm just always curious about it, is it going kind of in the direction you were wanting it to, would you say, for the most part? I mean, 
you you um, seem like you seem like a guy who would be pretty happy to speak to nobody if you had to. So I don't really know what your ambitions were with it, you know. Well, uh, you know, I, I guess more than anything, I just like I'm gonna try my hand at it because nobody else is is trying to speak to the working cowboy, and sure. it resonated. And, and then there for a while, like, and, and I don't know how much of it is uh, social media censorship or, or just how much I've just kind of hit a plateau on and, and just, I don't know, maybe that's that my audience is what it is. And that, that, that's fine. Like I might, it, might not do three, three episodes a week. If, uh, if, if, you know, my, my subscriber count doesn't get a whole lot higher, but yeah, I'll still do it because I enjoy it. I like, I, I really enjoy meeting people, but I, you know, I, I've never, my, my five-year goal was like, I, I'd like to be able to just do podcasts exclusively, like, like have, mm-hmm. you know, make enough money from it to be like, if, if nothing else, I can quit my job and do this Yeah, and, 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 and be fine. I'm nowhere near that at, at well, the moment. But. You know, part of the problem, because like, I'm normally like a top fan or whatever on like the Burning Daylight um, mm. page. Um, I don't see shit from it. You know what I mean? Like it never comes up on my feed. Like I have to go look for it, for it to pop yeah. up. And I think that's the big, like that's the fucking killer is like, you know, most of our audience is going to be like in the cowboy world. It's going to be Facebook central where you're going yeah. to advertise and like yeah. trying to, you know, try, I mean, when, when you don't come up in the newsfeed, like it's tough, like the shadow ban. It's, it's, it's got really long, fucking real. Yeah. It's got long reaching consequences because it's like, you know, it, I mean, you know, you don't see a lot of funny memes bummer, but like on your end, it's like, this is how I'm trying to like develop the stage. Yeah. And they keep turning the lights off. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's right. fucking well, hard it's, to a show. Yeah, and it's like uh, th- that's one of the other fascinating things about the the Twitter files is you know, like you see how it started out as like, oh, we'll put this label on it, and then like it's gonna drop it so much, and they're like, yeah. oh, now now it's like this label plus this label, and, cool. and like the 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 difference between Twitter and Facebook is Facebook tells you they're doing it. Like they, oh. <laughs> they, they, they told you, they tell me like, you will see significant decrease in your traffic and you're like, okay. But now, now at that point you can't even do anything to change that because you've already got the, the flag on your profile. But for what, I mean, what did you, I, obviously some of the memes and shit are going to get flagged, but like overall what, I mean, what causes it? I mean, like, because I wouldn't say you run an extremist type page right or left, you know, at all. No, no, it's just, uh, it's more like there's certain topics that like, you're not supposed to talk about like Jeffrey, Jeffrey Epstein. You weren't supposed to talk about that. And that's, today, uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty hard to navigate. Like I said, when it's so, and it's not just, I mean, there's a ton of people that like, if you shut down the Facebook advertising your bone i mean that's kind of the that's the new community gathering place you know yeah um, and I, I like i can't i haven't been able to advertise on on facebook since uh december of 2020 and before shit. that i i haven't i hadn't uh tried to run an ad for like two months before before that when they shut my uh my ad account down they're just like 
And they gave, they just said you violated whatever terms. And it's like, well, all of the campaigns that I ran ended two months ago. So what the, f that, that's the crazy thing is they go back in time and then they're like, oh, we flagged this one. It's, so what? it's fucking retroactive now? Like where I noticed it, I think at first I really liked like your boot series, you know, because yeah. I mean, he's it's cool to listen to, you know, but and it was popping up constantly, you know, like uh, the sit downs of boots or whatever you call them. And uh, yeah, and it what, but then I know I was like, man, he kind of quit, you know, that's I guess he just lost interest or whatever. But then I went to Spotify and actually I was like, oh shit, like there's a ton of these, you know what I mean? Like, what the hell? And then I go to the burning daylight and I was like, I mean, it's all been posted it's just not it, it's not visible you know what i mean yeah. like um do you see kind of a big gap between like your spotify listens like how many people are listening to your spotify uploads and then like your facebook traffic is there a pretty large gap there oh yeah yeah, yeah. so like my my audience runs right about uh, and then it kind of depends but it's it's anywhere from on a daily basis it's about 650 to 750 somewhere in that okay yeah in that range mm -hmm. um and and that's just because people are subscribed so they you know like it just when when i post it you know it usually downloads um i've got um i've got 20,600 followers on facebook yeah. And my latest post was um, three hours ago, and I've got one comment and two likes. No shit. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, let's go back. Uh, we'll go. I'll go back a couple of days and see. Because uh, like here, burning daylight. Um, yeah, shit, you've got like 20,000 followers, 18,000 likes. Yeah. And no yeah. traffic. I mean, no, and you can see, um, like just no damn traffic. Like it's none at all. Yeah. I mean, uh, none, which makes no, I mean, you know what I mean? Like that's fucking crazy. I mean, that, I, all right, so here's a good example. Um, so I posted a meme. This is a meme that I made, and it said you forgot to take a pregame dump and your horse is already in the chute. Um, I, I guess I could post. I'll pop that up on the screen here because yeah, uh, I, 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 got the, I got the technology. Yeah, yeah, we've got it. We, we can do that now. Um, so there we go. Josh Keller, that's the guy I was going to – I'm going to – Try to talk to from the from Diamond A. Nice. Uh, fuck. That's not what I wanted. I saw the chive on there. That used to be so hot in 2013. I know it. Um, yeah. I, I'm still kind of a fan of the chive every now. Oh and then. yeah, I, I get it. I had the Bill Murray sticker and everything at one point, Shit, but yeah. uh, <laughs> and it, uh, yeah, and it. That knife funny just did not age well, did they? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you know, it was good. So, like this this post here, mm -hmm. um, on Instagram, it took off. This one had nineteen likes, one comment, and five shares, and I believe I was two of them. Nice. 
Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I shared it on my page, and then I shared it on in the the bull session group. And let's see, see insights. What do we get? What do we got? Thirteen hundred impressions, twelve seventy seven reach, and that's been up for fifteen days now. God damn. Uh, yeah, I got I get no traffic, and that that um. Let's see. I'll uh. I'll look it up on my Instagram, but it did pretty good on Instagram. I know that. And I, I don't really have, I got 3,500 followers there. Nice. Um, and that one had 212 likes. And we had 213 likes, three comments, 111 shares, seven saves. So uh, a lot more than the last. Yeah. yeah. And, and I don't get it because they're both fucking Facebook. Um, so I, I, I don't know. It's dumb. It's, I mean, it is, I mean, it's crazy though. I mean, cause even I notice it now, you know what I mean? Where it's like, shit, this used to be like half of my feed. And, uh, yeah. like I, I don't get, I don't get, I don't even get live notifications anymore when like, you're like, you know, we're, we're streaming live. Yeah. I don't even get that anymore. Um, I don't, I don't know what their beef is with you, but uh, like I said, they, yeah, they, I don't it know either. Like, yeah. So like that, that's like the live stream stuff. Like I just, I moved that all over to Patreon because at least I know, like if you're subscribed on Patreon, I'll post when I'm live and you'll get that because it, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, you got to pay for it, but still at least I, I'm, and that's how I know I'm my, like who my true fans are. Like they're like, do you get do you get a cut off that Patreon? Like, does most of that go to you? How much that goes to the company? Um, I it's about it's about eighty five percent I keep. So I get. Oh, no, that's not, yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, it's it's enough to pay all my uh, like all the subscriptions that I have for you know like the the audio stuff that I do and and like this this Streamyard platform and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And it, it seems uh, like seems like your internet, your rural internet quality has improved as time has went on for some reason. Um, thank you, Elon. I'm not I'm not uh totally uh sold on on Elon being the, the savior of the world yet, right. but he's uh he's brought me some pretty fast internet and uh he's made Twitter a lot more interesting in the last month or so. So that was the real son of a bitch was just trying to get the I mean and that's not that's not just I mean for like all the working cowboys like no one lives in fucking town so like trying to do this all streaming is tough. Uh, you've probably done as good a job as anybody I would say just because that's that's kind of the impossible task is getting uh, everybody somewhere that they can actually talk for more than five minutes without freezing horribly. I know it's it's uh it, it is tough and like I've got. I have been able to to upgrade my my studio like a lot a lot of that is um you know I I, I dipped into some retirement stuff but also <clears throat> like like I said it it does like I switched back to um to a a, a different platform that that gives me uh gives me ad reads for free so or you know like mm -hmm. you know uh, like automatically so I, I get paid and that 
it gives me about 200 bucks a month to play with, which pays for, for, for about everything. So now it's just my time. And that sounds a lot better than free. Yeah, exactly. So it works. And so like, that's why I'm always trying to, I'm, I'm a capitalist, man. I like doing this and I'll probably keep on doing it, but it'd be a lot cooler if I could do it just because, uh, it made me a couple thousand every episode, you know? Like, that, that'd be a lot cooler. Well, and it, I mean, it's weird, because, like, it, I thought the Boots deal was about to be a really good lick, and that's right about the time I noticed, like, I don't I don't see shit anymore. Like, what happened to that? Because, yeah, like, those episodes were really interesting. Like, who doesn't want to listen to Boots talk? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's if you cowboy for a living, you know what I mean? And then yeah, um, it was like, I thought you were right on the edge of it. And then it was like Facebook just stuck it in your ass over that deal, dude. Like I know. And then you notice uh, Dale Brisby got him on too. And then, yeah. Have you ever tried to get Dale Brisby on? I mean, have you ever made that attempt? Uh, I have. And I, I, I got him to respond on, on Instagram one time. I DM'd him and, and, yeah. and, and we, we went back and forth a couple of times, but then I didn't, nothing ever happened. This never um, came, never came about. Yeah, he never got back to me, but which is which is fine. I, I would like to talk to that guy because I, mm-hmm. like, I'm fascinated by his whole his whole deal. Like, I, I could not keep a character that long. I, I could no. Like, I, I could I can't keep a character, but I respect the fuck out of it. That guy, like, make your money, man. Uh, uh, you, those, you know, he those found early like videos were really really funny. They I were. I thought he fell off a lot and, and got more campy than anything, but Hey, yeah. And I, he doesn't money. have much in common anymore with, yeah, it started out as like, he was a bull, you know, bull rider guy. And then it, it's kind of turned into this other kind of cowboy cultural thing. I don't know how you really describe it. Um, yeah, I don't know either. Um, but I, you know, I'll give the guy all the credit. Like, I mean, there was money to be made and he sniffed it out. You know what I mean? He, he, that is about as niche as it gets, and he he went and got it. So I mean, you know, kudos to him. Um, I, I can't do it. So yeah, I, I noticed. Uh, you know, like because big numbers for me on YouTube are like a thousand views, and like I think, I think the first Boots episodes is up is, is something like five thousand views. Mm-hmm. And then Dale Brisby had him on, and within a week he had like a hundred thousand views, and I was like, man. Man, I, I really don't think they did Boots justice either. Like, it's uh, I, I watched the episode. I, I mean, I felt like they had him in studio. I probably what I would have done different. Probably just let him talk more. Uh, you know right, what I mean? Just I mean, you. Well, I mean, like start you, you could hear him like uh, they they were cutting up in the background, mm-hmm. and that's fine and whatnot. But like, like if you're gonna record the guy like this, this is a guy that that everybody looks up to, like treat it with respect you know you know it, which you had him on he's a great friend of mine sean williams does the pearl snap fever thing oh, um, i love that guy oh sean's a like i said he's he's one of my really good amigos we've worked together a lot and uh he's a uh, he didn't he was kind of early on still when he did the podcast it seemed like um that guy has some of the funniest fucking stories you've ever heard but it's a i mean it's some of this stuff I've realized too is hard to make translate because like I'm naturally a pretty good conversationalist. Yeah. Um, it's like hard to say funny shit with no audience. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, 
when you don't have that feedback, it's like your timing's kind of fucked up on your stories. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't flow as well because you don't have kind of the pauses that you normally would take. Like, yeah, it, it is hard to translate funny shit that's happened into podcast form just because you lose that live feedback you might get from a crowd of people, you know? Um, well, I, and, and it is, but also I will tell you just, um, from, from personal experience, like mm-hmm. <laughs> the guy I used to work with, um, he, he moved, he moved, uh, to a different, different town, but I, I would hear him like from an alley over just be like, ha ha. And he was listening to my, like, he didn't listen. He listened to music and burning daylight. Sure. And like that. Uh... And, and so I'm like, what, what did I say this time? You know, because like, at this point I don't listen back to my episodes unless I, <laughs> unless I got a, like, I'm, I'm looking for something, you know? And but, I think uh, the other thing is, is trying to get guys. Cause I, I don't, you know, I'll talk about, you know, people nutting themselves or what the fuck ever. I don't give yeah. a shit. Trying to get people to kind of break the polite wall. Um, yeah. can be a little tough. Um, I, like when I'm like, we're talking about Sean, he has a, a gingivitis and AIDS story that is <laughs> fucking great. Like it is fucking hilarious. I love it. Um, and I, he, uh, but like you, I think a lot of guys get hesitant to kind of overshare on this yeah. form. Um, and I think getting guys to kind of be, you know, be like, Hey, it's just, it's just an open mic. Like just shoot the shit. Like we would shoot the shit. And I think yeah, if you can get people more comfortable with that, um, you know, it, it flows better because you can feel it in the episodes when guys finally kind of break mm-hmm. and are a little more casual versus people. What, like you said, like on the time, like we can bullshit for two and a half hours and just not have breaks. It's fine. But like you can tell too, when you're kind of trying to lift people like, Hey, you know what I mean? Like, come on, man, don't be scared to yeah. pitch in. And I think that stuff is getting people to kind of, break that wall and like you can say whatever the fuck you want like this is not you know this is not something that's going to crater you it's fine you know right Um, well and and it's it's helped like just getting people that just more people i get on like there there are people like hey i i I listen because i you know i know this guy whatever and i was like it's pretty cool format whatever and then you know they'll be like hey i remember Mm -hmm. this time whatever like all right well you want to come on like i don't know yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Some sometimes they come on. They got awesome stories, and sometimes, and uh, whether they do or not, they just like, man, maybe they just freeze up. I don't know. Sometimes that that happens. But I'd like to do more of the live, like a live bull session, because uh, I, I like the improv nature of it. Like I, I can always tell some jokes. I, I've got I've got plenty of material that sure. I've, I've got floating around in my head. But I, I like it when I, when I I. I'm at my best when I'm reacting to somebody's story. When I can, yeah. I can add my one line. Like I'm a one-liner guy, you know. I cool. I, I love the one-liner. I uh, uh, like for me, it, like it's the first time I was ever on was in a. Oh shit! I was with was it TJ Briggs? I think was there. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, shit, I can't remember who uh, there was. Somebody else, but it, there, maybe it was Jeffrey Law. Maybe that's who it was. Um, okay, okay. I, I remember the service was sporadic on everybody's part, but uh, like it was, it's hard. That was I hadn't done podcast. It's easier now because this is like fourth time or something I've been on here. But uh, it's uh, it can be difficult to navigate. That's that's one one place I think this podcast shines is trying to take people 
who are known for being fairly antisocial and trying to make two hour long conversations with strangers like that's a, that that's an art, you know, in itself. Um, Cause I, I mean like the boots episodes, like you do a good job of pulling the stories, but as you've gotten deeper, like the story, like the first time you could tell it was kind of like a phone call from a guy you've never talked to. He was kind of, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know what else you want to hear, but uh, you've done a good job getting some of these guys who aren't known for their social skills to kind of crack out. And I know that's a, that's a tough call, especially for like kind of the real deal, hardcore kind of guys who probably pride themselves on not bragging about shit they've done. Um, yeah. That can be a tough task, you know? Yeah, and you've got to you've got to present it in a way where they don't feel like they're they're being a braggart, you know. It's, well, it, uh, just tell the story exactly. Yeah. Um, so, do you know who Ed Ashurst is? I, I've heard the name. I don't know him at all, but okay, I, I know so the he's name. kind of a he's kind of a Arizona legendary guy. He's got some really oh, good books. Okay, okay. Um, he's 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 got probably 10 books out now that are really good. Um, yes. Okay. I, yeah. I, yeah I I've never them. read them, but I, I, yes, I know. Who yeah, you're talking I, about. I highly recommend them. If anybody's listening. Um, anyway, like I finally got the chance to meet him because the guy I worked for was really good buds with him. And I was so stoked. Cause like, this is Ed Ashurst. And like, if you punch cows, especially in the Southwest, like, you know who this fucking guy is. Like, I mean, yeah. he's kind of a renowned, Babbitt, R.O., Diamond A, Cowboy, and grew up kind of what I would say was the last of the old breed kind of time, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was I was jacked to the tits to finally have this talk, you know what I mean, with kind of like a Boots O'Neillish type character. Yeah. And he, he he's super friendly. We, we bullshitted. I had a great time. But I wanted to hear kind of all of the stories, you know, like, I, I mean, I, man, I'm here for the, I'm here for the back in the good old day type shit. Yeah. And I had to beg the guy to tell any, and I, it's just like the cowboy culture, especially like that breed of cowboy, just it, it like, I think part of their facade is their stoicism. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I don't need to talk about it because I did it. The problem mm-hmm. is like, hey man, like I am really interested in hearing about it. Like, you know, please tell me more because yeah, everything I've aspired to be is wrapped up in your package. You know what I mean? Like, I would like to hear about it. Well, and that's that's one thing like uh like the cowboy poetry gathering, like I as as commercialized as as it's become since its inception or whatever, mm-hmm. I I can tell you from experience it's fucking awesome. Sure. Like when, when when that thing is going in full force, I don't care how many dudes come in, like the just the the shows that they put on, and, and then the fact that the cowboys still come to that thing, like real actual cowboys, and uh, and it's just like Elko's a magical time during uh, cowboy poetry gathering. It's, it's well, I've gotten, awesome. I've actually gotten some, you know invites to go to that thing with some of my poetry the problem is like whether i'm good good a good poet a bad poet i enjoy doing it you know it kind of for me i always tell people it it does come from the heart when i write it i'm not a super visual cowboy poet it's more Mm. of an emotional thing for me but anyway um my problem is i love it and i'm super interested i am horrible at spoken word. So like you can read most of mine and apparently it resonates because I've actually had 
quite a bit of traffic with it. Um, but when I speak it, it like loses its grandeur, if that makes sense. And that's uh, yeah. kind of a bummer because I would love to be able to kind of pitch my feelings to the world in that way with some of my poetry. It, I can't make it. I, I, it loses the value I put into it when my dumb fucking ass tries to speak it. So like it's, it kind of devalues it. Well, send me a couple, uh, that, that you, uh, you think are good and I'll, I'll, I'll recite them at the, at our shows this year. Oh, if you, I mean, yeah, I, I would definitely let no, you. I've, um, read your, I've read your stuff. I, I like it. So like, let, let me know what you would send me, send me two that you, that you like and, and I'll, I'll read them off uh, and I'll, I'll practice them beforehand. So. That's great. Like I said, yeah. I, I mean, like you said, I, I love writing them. I just, I can't, I can't speak them. I, I don't know why. It's just like all the emotion I feel when I write them, I lose when it, I try to, you know, spit it to the world um, for some damn yeah. reason. Um, well, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm getting ready to be in Elko mode here. Uh, Cause I, I got, let's, where are we at? December 15th. Oh, so I got a month and a half uh before before we're there and I, I got a lot of money to raise yet so um anyway go donate yeah yeah everyone throw money at this guy um yeah. it's but, uh, uh we're yeah. gonna do we're gonna do a uh an hour uh and i'm gonna do it just like a live bull session but i'm, I'm gonna try to set up a projector screen so we can do like uh we can go to like rodeo rex instagram page and do reaction videos to that and then yes. and then tell stories and uh i i think we get i we can have the the crowd rolling uh and then then we're gonna do like a jam session afterwards kind of kind of how the the other shows that we've done be, in the past that'll be like the to close it out but i, I want to do like an hour of just like comedy like uh like a just a actual bull session no no instruments involved just uh just telling stories, telling jokes, and then maybe maybe having some funny videos to to react to. Who, but who's your favorite cowboy poet if you had to pick one? Um, I gotta go Baxter Black, dude. I mean, yeah, I love it, I love Baxter. It's um, cliche as it gets, but man, come at the king, you best not miss. That guy is so good with words. He, as far as his like use of the language, I think he transcended cowboy poetry with a lot of his, just yeah. his, how well he had mastered the use of the word. Um, like, yeah. a, a, I, so cowboy poetry, I actually, like, there's half of the sector I love because it is very emotional and guttural. Mm. And then some of it, when it's like, I have never been into like, and I don't want anybody to take offense to this when I, I know some guys that um, have reached out to me and some of their poetry is like, uh, I, I, it's all bronc wrecks and rope and wild shit. And like, and that's fine. That's a great, that sector needs filled. It's just never resonated with me. And Baxter, I thought did an amazing job. His comedy got huge. Um, he has some really deep poems actually in some mm. of his books that are amazing. Um, I mean, absolutely heart, like absolutely Shakespearean in nature. They didn't get the attention probably that like the funny ones did, obviously, but the man was extremely gifted. No, he just, he's a wordsmith. I got, I, and I'm always, you know, I'm comedy first. I, I love, but I, yeah. I, 
I just I love I love words too. I I'm I mean I'm I'm not a good artist, but I'm an artist at heart. Like I right. uh, just appreciating art, sure. Yeah, and and like I, I'd put Baxter Black up with uh, just about anybody is just being able to spin the English language and just like, like he was a master at it. Like uh, it's the same way as um, did you watch the Dave Chappelle monologue on SNL when yep. he was? I mean, it was just fucking brilliant. Like the way he he like would walk right up to the edge and like maybe put a finger over and then like walk back and just like smile at you. You know, like it just yeah. he, um, Baxter Blackfoot was the same way. Just like an artist of how he used the words. There, uh, a guy who never got a lot of the credit I wish he would have is a uh, Larry McWhorter. Um, okay. He's got one called the Unrepentant Horses, and Red Stegall does the actual voiceover, but it was written by Larry. And Larry's got he's got a couple poems about high risk cattle on wheat, like some definitely more cowboy oriented stuff. Mm -hmm. um, James McMurtry is not a cowboy poet by heart, but is a West uses a lot. That's Larry McMurtry's son. Yeah. Um, and like he's got like a I mean. Uh, one of my favorites is Copper Canteen, and it's uh, it's like I love when people use vivid imagery in their wording. And he's, I think, James McMurtry is probably as good as there's ever been, um, in that in that sector, um, of just Tom telling. Russell. Tom Russell is. <laughs> Tom Russell's kind of a weird one too because he's not really he's not necessarily a cow he's kind of a western culture poet um i don't know yeah. he's a poet but he does kind of the same thing he's very vivid you know what i mean like he is he oh, can and he, he breaks a lot of rules like his songs like how he puts them together like the story makes sense but how like the music flows doesn't it, make a lot of sense sometimes exactly and he does i mean he has he's the same way in fact he's a lot of those guys, I guess, share a lot of that in common, that they're atypical in how they kind of formulate their compositions, but I love them. Um, and which Corbin I love. Corbin is, is notorious for that. Like, uh, like you, you like almost find the beat in his songs, but then he'll like throw in the bass line there out of, out of nowhere. Like he just, yes. yeah, he keeps you on your toes, but you also like, you know, what's coming. Like I, I get, I get shit all the time from, uh, from, uh, multiple different people. When I had Corbon, I told him he was predictable, but I meant it in the like the most like like respectful way because like I know what Corbon's gonna sound like without ever hearing it. Like I just mm -hmm. I kind of like I know his style, but still he'll throw something that's just off the wall at you. Like I didn't see that one coming. Like and like Tom Russell has a one of my favorites. He has is called uh, the Last Running. Um. And it's, it's not. I guess it's kind. It's more of a sonnet than it is a song. Um, but it combines like Charles Goodnight and then some classic, like classic poetry, and it's a beautiful rendition. But uh, it's the same way. You can't follow it. You know what I mean? Like I mean, you the whole song. Yeah. You can't. You couldn't tap your foot to it because it's like I don't. There's rhythm here, but I can't find it. But it's a masterpiece when it's yeah. all thrown together it's uh and it's like it's one of those songs where you need uh like a good singer 
to to cover it because like the story is amazing and you need a yeah. you need a George Strait to tell it for you or something like exactly. that. And like uh, and like Core Blondie, like um I, I love my favorite song of his is like uh it's I wanna be in the Calvary, but it's reprise, you know, like I said, I like, love that version it, so much. It's I mean, I love I wanna be in I love the upbeat, I wanna be in the Calvary, yeah. like I love the regret, you know what I mean? And yeah. like the like it's just it's it's one of those, you know, if you're drinking a warm can of Kerr's light at two in the morning going down I forty, um, you play that one just to feel something. You know what I mean? Oh, just to just oh, to man, feel um, on the same note as like that loot um a game in town like this, you know, off the losing mm-hmm. lately gambler. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that song. It, it is such a, <laughs> it's not a, it's not a, a heartwarming song. And you're like, you, you root for the guy, but you know, he's going to lose, but you know, he's and, a loser. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it, yeah. And for some reason that's where I thrive. Like whenever I talk to people about music, um, yeah. like I do best at like, you know, it's dark out and I'm traveling alone and I'm just plow, I'm just pounding cigarettes and I'm sad for no fucking reason. Like oh, that, that's, that's where I shine in my music taste for the at, most part. Uh, at Red Rocks, when, uh, when fucking Evan Felker this May was like, they all want to be Hank Williams, Williams, but they don't, they don't want to have to die. die. Yes, dude, so yeah. awesome. So uh, awesome. If it helps, my wife is so sick of that song because I will listen to it for that line only you know what i mean just crank it like just wow. let it let it touch you deep down in that soft spot Man, that you, 1968 you know. i will put that on loop and, uh, <laughs> that, that's, I, I'll, I'll put i'll put like the you know the boxer uh 1968 by turn uh turnpike troubadours whiskey whiskey or uh wicked twisted road road is uh, a beautiful one um beautiful and then yeah the boxer by by Bob Dylan. Those are like my three favorite, like like some of the most immaculately, immaculately written songs on earth. Like yeah, you know, but and yeah, you know, it's overplayed to shit. So I think people have forgotten the genius in it. Diamonds and gasoline. I still <sighs> so like good. uh, you know, like and like uh, you know, um, concrete shoes have got me you know, sinking pretty low for some reason. Oh, like um, that line right there just it tickles that little bone that was reserved for when you found out Santa wasn't real at seven years old and then your aunt died. Like those are the only two things that it touches. If, if, uh, if, if I had to go gun to head, just one album for the rest of my life, I'd go diamonds and gasoline that uh, turnpike troubadours. That was, that was such a good fucking album. And you know, I don't know if they've ever beat it. I think they're, uh, their last album like was right up there with it but mm-hmm. man i i just gotta that 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 was such a good fucking album it it was uh it was some of the finest songwriting i think like red dirt slash texas country music has ever gotten to like enjoy as far as oh, just like musical genius like it is it was just a series of beautiful songs <laughs> like it was it's really like I would never expect that quality from like fucking Stony Larue. Not that I'm beefing with Stony. I'm just saying. No, like, and Stony's a great that. songwriter on yeah. in his own right. But like, no, that like you know, look at me fly in some of that might come up in some of that conversation. But it's still just like it's that he's just not on that level of songwriter. Like it, like nobody. Yeah. I mean, the truth is, like that's where Turnpike is. 
I think yeah. they are separated from most of the Texas country acts or red dirt. I just think like so. From the songwriting perspective, like just. I, I, I think uh, the only ones that hold a candle to them is, uh, is Boland, Robert yep. Earl Keen, and um, Chris Knight, maybe. Chris Knight, I think, was – I mean, he had some great ones. Um, I, he kind of missed the wave almost in some ways. I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah, man, um, I saw him at uh, at BBR, uh, and his sound guy was terrible because, like, he just – it was so disappointing. I, I I had never seen him live, and, I like, I love – like, he's, he's another one of those guys, like, if I had to listen to Chris Knight all day, I would not be disappointed. But I, I had a buddy, he's from Oklahoma, but he's kind of like a Texas country music fanatic. And we actually, mm-hmm. it's funny, we were talking about Chris Knight, and he said, and I agree, he said, what boned Chris Knight is that Chris Knight and Charlie Robinson had a lot in common. Unfortunately, Chris Knight came up in the era where he was fighting Aaron Watson for the stage. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he kind of, he almost came too late for what he mm-hmm. was singing about. Um which I like that. I I do find that to be one of the grosser eras for some, like Aaron Watson. Some of those guys, like I feel like him, Josh Abbott, um, Kyle Park, like that was kind of their own era. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, probably it, it it drew a lot of attention. But whenever I go back and listen to a lot of the songs, like this is fucking dog shit. Like it's a yeah, fucking, it really like, is. Um, I used to love Cody Johnson. I used to be like a devout Cody Johnsonite, and now I'm just like, yeah, fuck you, dude. Like you, you turned into a chotch. Um, yeah, that that's. I mean, that was the same way like Eli Young too. Like that first album that they put out was so good, mm-hmm. and then it just like I it just got it got too much fucking bubble gum. You know, it, I mean, dude, like for for like a solid year, you couldn't go anywhere without hearing "When It Rains." You know what I mean? Like yeah. it was everywhere, and then like. It seems like they're commercial. Same with Josh Abbott, though, I would say. Like, he was really on the up and up. And uh, about the time him and Casey Musgrave started getting duets, everybody started hating his fucking guts. Yeah. Um, It's a bummer. I mean, I think the reality of Texas Country or Red Dirt is as soon as you get mainstream, the audience that built you will crucify you in time. You know what I mean? Like that. I think so, too. Well, because it seems like the – in order for you to hit that that next level, which you know, honestly, this is a kind of a good way to wrap up this whole this whole yeah. deal because yeah. we're at two forty four. Um. So, yeah, I, I think to make it into the next level, like you gotta get those little deals in your contract where they're like, oh, you're gonna play a song by this guy, and you're gonna play a song by this guy, and those songs fucking suck. Yeah, and, you're, and your your actual fans are like, hey, what the fuck, dude? This uh, ain't you. This ain't the, you. We know you. And I think that's why we love Turnpike because we know in the end their addiction will always get the best of them and take them back to step one. So it's it's right. their redeeming trait that they've got but, a cap due to and, their and, affinity for alcohol. And you know, like we, you guys do what you got to do, but in the meantime, you just keep fucking playing music because we that's know. It. That is good. We know that. Like we've tested that over and over. And I, I listened to a sober Evan Hafer, or mm-hmm. uh, Evan Felker. Yeah, sounds awesome. That that band was amazing. I, I and I'm not a big fan of big venues, but Red yeah. Rocks is something different. 
and I, and and Oklahoma came to fucking party, man. When we were there, I will, I will say, when I heard he was getting sober, I was so nervous because there's a part. Okay, so like, uh, who's the famous horror writer? Uh, wrote, uh, fuck, he's wrote every fucking classical horror literature in the last. Oh, Stephen, Stephen King. King. Yeah, you can trace that guy when he was fucked up, and his writing was amazing. Got yeah. sober, and that guy sucks so much dick now. I was like, "What the fuck? Be a drunk again? Like, stay up till three on coke, smoking mm. Marlboro Reds, fucking sipping Jack. You know what I mean? And like, write some horrible shit. We loved you then. I was hoping Evan Felker didn't do the same shit. Where I was like, "Man, we got to get you off the wagon." You know what I mean? Like, I, you, you can't do this to me. No, and and I. But the, the the I guess the kind of the redeeming thing about him is he also went and cowboyed, and mm-hmm. he just he just bought a ranch and just like went went cowboying, and I, uh, I was like, yeah. fuck yeah, dude! And uh, man, that was so cool. Like, like I said, Oklahoma came to fucking party when when Turnpike was at at Red Rocks, and and th- like it was it was the coolest thing because like this is my this is my kind of people, this is my my kind of music, my it was my the you know i got my wife tickets for for a christmas present and it was just and we had a blood moon too and i was like you know i i don't give a shit about the rest of the world it's like turnpike is fucking rocking out at, at uh, red rocks right now this is awesome i don't give a shit about anything else right now you ever think we get off on too many fucking like facets in these conversations and lose focus easily yeah some somewhat but i, I think i think we uh I think we all do. Uh, we always kind of wrap it up pretty good. But like I was saying, uh, I, I got a got a notification that Reckless is uh, they're shutting it down, and by 2025 they are uh, gonna no longer tour on the road. So you got two years to see them, and then after that, it's only at Brown Brothers reunion. That's a good one. And I will for my final story of the night. I will tell you, out of respect. For Midnight Rodeo, aka Ropo and Amarello, the final Love concert, it. the final concert at Midnight Rodeo in 2017 was Reckless Kelly. I was front seat for that, and uh, it was a beautiful concert. I fucking loved it. Um, they played all the classics, and I think a week or two weeks later, they shut down what should have been a Western icon in Ropo. Um, now it's a church, it, ain't it? It's something, yeah. Fuck, fuck those fucking people. Anyway, but like, <laughs> yeah, uh, dude. No, I don't care how much fucking holy water you put in there. The sin is there to stay. That and sin is deep. It's in deep. But out of pure respect for Midnight Rodeo, I I called it good on seeing Reckless Kelly live there because I felt like if we had to put her to bed, what what no better way than just like that. Yeah, Man, you know, me and Sig's front stage to Reckless Kelly right before they can't pay the electric bill. I was like, this is yeah. this is how this should go out. Yeah, hell yeah. You know, I uh, this last year at at BBR. Um, so we went we went last year or and then this year. So this year it was um, Bolin played, um, Wade Bowen played, and they brought the the homemade tamales up from floor's country store nice and so i was eating tamales and watching wade bowen sing west texas rain 
in oh. the fucking rain at at Braun Brothers reunion. Yeah. Like we had our little umbrellas, and I was eating. I was I was fairly tuned up at that point, and uh, you know I'd made a made a couple trips to the old uh, porta porta shitter to to get get your mind right. You know, uh, you, you have to like for those yeah. moments. Like if I'm not fucked off, it's a complete waste. Like I can't yeah. feel what I need to feel sober. Like I need and, to know, be. And, and Wade Bowen's one of those guys. Like he's not on my regular playlist at all. But every time I've seen him live, he's been amazing. Yep. And it just like his his live music transcends what you hear on. Like I, I I don't care to listen to him going down the road. But if he's live, I'll I'll watch that show because he puts on a he good show. Down. Like I went and watched him and like, you know, like he, I will say, cause like he, and he rocked it. Like, and he did ashes, mood ring, like all of his old shit mm -hmm. that has kind of made him but like sounded exactly like he did in studio. Like I thought he nailed it. Like I loved it. Yeah. Um, I've seen Aaron Watson live twice. That guy is every time I've seen him was dog shit. And I paid yeah, I got I, to see him kind of coming up and he was pretty good when he was coming I, up. Uh, the Everybody told me, his concerts in Lubbock had been awesome. So, like, I bought tickets. He had just, I mean, he was past the barbed wire halo stage and was coming oh, okay. into, like, he was coming into kind of his mainstreamer. Yeah. And he really talked for 30 minutes about how, like, all people wanted to do was hear his music and how grateful he was. He, like, strummed his guitar. And I was like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, play, just play something. Gotcha. Like, if I don't hear third gear in 17 in the next 10 minutes, I'm throwing this curse at you. Play Amarillo by morning. <laughs> like, <laughs> like nobody gives a shit about your kid. Like just play the fucking music, man. Yeah, we, we were up there at uh at freaking Chalice and uh and so like I had my we took our kids this year, me and my wife did, and then uh my sister in law she brought her her niece her kids uh last year, my nieces and, and so but there was all of us uh, all of us this year and yeah Wade Bowen was, uh, I think he was the Friday night closer. Yeah, because Saturday, the Saturday nights when, um, when the Reckless closes it out. But um, Wade Bowen was singing West Texas Rain in the rain, and I got a John T. Floors Country Store homemade tamale. It was fucking awesome. I uh, Matt, what's uh, Mickey and the Motor Cars? Um, yeah, do you like them? Yes, no, yeah. Yeah, I uh I, I don't like them as much as uh as Reckless Kelly. I don't think they're quite as good of a band, but they're all the same family and Mickey Mickey Braun is a hell of an artist. I like his I like I don't like him his songwriting as much as his brother, but he's still really, really good. I you know, I he's good, but like uh, like thank my mother's God is like what like I'll play that one every time, but like he just, he never grabbed me like his brother did. Like, Reckless, I'm, just like, I'm the every, same way. so like at the la their last concert, they were, they were like, thank you guys for coming. I was front stage. I was like, hey, like, and they fucking walked up, like came right down. I was like, are we doing like Crazy Eddie's last two raw or what? You know what I mean? Like, is that, like, you got to do it, right? Like, it's Crazy Eddie. Yeah. And they're like, man, we're, you know, like, we're kind of played out. Like, no. And I was like, God damn it. And uh, I was also like, I was doing a little toot that night. Like I was oh, fucking yeah. good. And uh, me and my buddy were kind of like, fuck it, let's go. Like uh, everyone's kind of filtering out. Sure enough, they come back on stage and like, you know, sure didn't take too long. And like it fucking, <laughs> it was great. Like great one to wrap it up on. I think I still got one of their guitar picks. I fucking love Reckless. Like they are, 
uh, probably like top three for me. Like I fucking love them. I, I'm, um, I'm a big fan of Reckless Kelly. My my daughter, when we get in the car, she wants to hear American Blood, and she doesn't know anything song. about that song. But I yeah. fucking yeah. love that. I I used to I used to hate that song, Weck, when I was like the traditional conservative. <laughs> and, yeah. and, but I love. But I never stopped listening to it because it's a catchy song. But I always loved Reckless Kelly. Like I, that was a that's one of my my all time favorite funny. bands. It's funny you say that because the first time I heard it. It gave me like Green Day American Idiot vibes. Like, man, the one ding in their, you know, like in their armor yeah. is like, you know, this song. Like, otherwise, and now like it's on my fucking, like it's on my travel playlist. Like, I know. I it's like, and yeah, looking back at it now, I was like, man, I was such a fucking idiot. Like, I, was I, was, such, yeah, like, I was such so a dumb. little, I was such a little chotch. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, like that, that song's a masterpiece, and and like it just it fit the time so right. Like it's like Willie Braun's a, a like a fucking great songwriter, and that just like that whole band was even back in uh, what was his uh, the Hispanic Titanic? What was his name? Um, David Abeda on, on guitar. Yeah. yeah, and they got a different guy now, but like they're, yeah, they're hanging it up. They're the, but they're doing like a two year reunion tour. So they're they're starting in 20, 2023 and they're gonna end it uh, at uh at the Braun Brothers reunion in twenty twenty five, and then after that they're just getting back together for the Braun Brothers reunion. You know what? I think we're getting officially getting old when when Reckless is hanging it up. Like we're getting old. God, dude. I don't know how many sad breakups I had listening to Wicked Twisted Road. You know what I mean? Like oh, dude, fun. me and me and Clint Mandel cruised around Ulysses about nine times listening to Godforsaken Town. Uh <laughs> like such a good like that just great musicians. I like I I'm so glad that I I had lived at the same time as like Turnpike and Reckless Kelly and Jason oh, yeah. Bolin. I uh, I can't. I think I, truly like transformational artists for the for the country music scene. Yeah, and I got to witness that. I had a stripper from Pueblo break my heart, and I listened to Wagon Wheel by Old Crow and Wicked Twisted Road on replay. And literally, I'm not kidding. In the same night, just drove from Raton. All the way to Denver and back, just sad. You know what I mean? Just, just, just weeping, seeing the glint of the Rockies and the moonlight there, you know, outside of Colorado Springs. Yeah. Just sad to my core. And we need, people need those. You need that to remember what it feels like. Yeah. Also, don't date strippers from Pueblo. She's hot. It's not going to work out like you think it will. Right. Well, if she's from Pueblo, she's she's probably of the Hispanic, so she's uh hot till the second wrong, kid and then wrong. they get she sloppy. was very she was white, but she was Pueblo white. So okay. lived in a single wide, you know, so smoked the, a lot. Um, the same thing applies. She's hot till the second she's kid hot and now. Then it gets, exactly. it gets yeah, she's hot sloppy. now, but you run a couple through her, she's gonna look like her fucking dumbass mom. It's, it's still a sore subject, it's fine. But yeah. uh, like I said, it's fine. I'm over it. Um, but uh, <laughs> anyway, but no, God willing, this cowboy debate series blows up, and Reckless Kelly wants to be on Burning Daylight, and it's gonna be nothing but fat chicks and weed from here on out for you. Fuck yeah, fuck yeah. But uh, yeah, let's uh, we'll reconvene here uh, in a couple of days, and we'll uh, we'll kick some ideas around, and we'll get this. I think this is gonna be a fun one. Yeah. Also, I'm probably still need to be under. I'm gonna send you my number. 
via Facebook Messenger because I'm so touch and go with Messenger. I won't check it for I days. Know, and I know. I, I've every time we've been on this, I've been meaning to ask you. But yeah, let's let's do that. So yeah, we'll put it on here. But yeah, <laughs> like I said, I'll, I'll send it to you. So perfect. And um, when we get done, just just leave it open, and it'll uh, it'll because it's recording uh, live on your end or uh, local on your end, so then it'll upload. And uh, okay, so, so just, just don't says, exit. Yep, exactly. Okay, great. All right. Well, Zach, fucking great conversation. Always a great conversation. I appreciate the shit out of you, man. Yeah, loved it, dude. And I, I love shooting the shit. So this is this is right in my niche. So awesome. Niche. Yeah. Awesome. Well, take care. Merry fucking Christmas, man. I know you're a Christmas guy. Love it. Uh, you know what? I'm not not so much, but when I see my kids get into it, I, it's hard not to be. So that's 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 what it's about. Is I love 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 my kids loving it, man. So you guys oh. enjoy. Happy holidays. Yeah. Yes, sir. Me and my wife went and saw Christmas Vacation in the theater the other day. It was fucking awesome. That movie holds up. Yep. Watch it tonight. Yeah. Like I said, yeah, I'm with you. Sweet man. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, we'll we'll talk. Merry Christmas, everybody. All right, and move your ass. We're burning daylight. Thanks, Zach. No problem. You rise up in the morning beneath the stars so bright. Pull your hat down, make sure your cinch is tight. Horse is kind of snuffy. Cold chill up your spine, it'll get your ass moving somewhere burning daylight. Get your ass moving sun, we're burning daylight.